and welcome back to Survivor Historians in our never-ending quest to find a replacement Paul. As always, I'm Mario Lanza. Never-ending quest? Am I a Treyu? <laughs> Way to nerd up right, right off the bat. Well done. Look, you know... You, and that's what, Jay Fisher. That's Jay Fisher, by the way. It, it, it is Jay Fisher. How are you guys doing? And if you haven't figured out that I'm a gigantic nerd, well... Pay attention better. I mean, God, you've been hearing me speak for 40-plus hours. I mean, it's not that hard, people. Yes, we are back here to uh, for our last 10 interviews to find our our uh, Survivor Historian Apprentice. And uh, now Jay and I aren't going to talk too much about the first batch. We'll just kind of go over it real quick. Were you happy with the first bunch, Jay, the first eight interviews? I think that, you know, bringing people on here and, and just kind of subjecting them live because, you know, a lot of times when, you know, people don't ever really realize when you do like a podcast or something like that, or when someone has a, a guest or something like that, you know, usually there's like pre-interviews or like some people will, they'll, they'll talk to each other beforehand and, you know, kind of get a good feel, uh, a little bit of a chemistry or rapport with people. We didn't do any of that because it's us, right? So we just called these people uh, well, I mean, we scheduled a time, but this is the first time we had talked to these people in some sort of podcast setting. So I think that all things considered, it went pretty well. Uh, I was pretty pleased with uh, with some of the conversations we had. Yeah, we basically cold called them like we were telemarketing. So, <laughs> I mean, they did as well as could be expected, and I was very happy with it. And I, again, I want to thank them all. But we are here for our next 10. Are you ready to start talking to some more unknowns, Jay? I am. I am ready. Um, you know, f- coming from parts unknown, like the ultimate warrior, I am ready to do this. All right. All right. And we are going to follow the same policy. One of my radio heroes is a guy named Tom Likas. I used to listen to him every day in Los Angeles. And he had a segment on his show called uh, Open Air Friday or Open Mic Friday. And he basically had one rule on Friday. You could come on the air. You could say anything. You could rant. You could rave. You could swear. You could curse as long as you were absolutely fascinating. So that is our one rule here. Just be fascinating. That's all we care about. Can I have a quick question before we start? Yes. What is radio? <laughs> this is back in the before time, Jay. Oh, the long, long ago. Yes, the magic black box. Where uh, the, the word sounds would come out in the music. Uh, I remember that. Yes. All right, here we go with our first uh, interviewee of the evening. This is number nine, if you're keeping track at home. I know some people are keeping track of the numbers. This is Danny Gottlieb. Is that uh, how to pronounce your name, Danny? That's perfect. Excellent. No, now, you, Danny, you, you, can tell him, you can tell him it's wrong. Like, he's no, wrong I, all the time. I, I fully expected him to be wrong, so I'm actually very surprised. Yeah, we only have 15 minutes, so if you choose to use that time to correct my pronunciation, then we go for yeah, it. Yeah, let's just go through, like, a whole German <laughs> last name lesson here. All right. Now, Danny is here to take us to task, from what I understand in his application, that that we have no gay presence on the show, and he's very upset about that. That is correct. Um, this actually was sort of inspired by the fact that I downloaded all of your Pearl Islands podcast and, you know, was very excited to hear all about Rhino and how wonderful he is. And you guys just acted like he didn't even exist. You You gave so much time to how Michelle is like an underrated survivor cute girl and there was zero talk of rhino and i think that's like you know a really big disservice to 50 percent of your audience i'm assuming you know you're you're alienating half of your listening audience i think it's a massive problem that you guys you guys need to fix now okay right off the bat if you think the audience is only 50 percent gay you're severely <laughs> underestimating the survivor audience <laughs> now the actually this is an argument i'm i'm very sympathetic for because i'm well aware of how 
uh, gay heavy the audience skews on Survivor. And you are correct. We have no perspective here whatsoever as Jay and I are like the two married straight Survivor fans. <laughs> so uh, this is a valid argument and I'm glad you bring it up. So why do you think that is important to have on the historians? What could you bring to the show that no one else could? Well, I mean, for me, actually, what I started watching the show when I was 13 and uh, not to get too heavy, but just, you know, I, I was a probably gay at that time kid who, who didn't have any sort of representative on TV or in movies that that really seemed like someone that was like me. There were a lot of, you know, flamboyant or stereotypical, whatever, one dimensional characters. And then Richard Hatch shows up and just kind of blew my mind that someone could be gay and be fat and evil and conniving and like a just a terrible person um and i think survivor you know kind of set the bar really high and just kind of blew a lot of minds in the country as far as what gay people could be and i think they still continue to do that as the years go on they have very complex interesting not one-dimensional gay characters which is still shockingly rare in in american culture in 2014 so i think it's it's extremely relevant, and I think it's kind of amazing what they do. And, you know, especially this last season, they got a lot of flack for some of their, uh, the way they handle women on the show, which I think is deserved. But I think something that is kind of underreported and not talked about is the way they handle their gay characters. And, you know, even someone like Colton, they really show a lot of his dimensions, and you can understand why he is maybe tormented. I don't want to assume things about him, but mm -hmm. I think they're very, very open and honest about their gay characters, and I think it's actually an amazing thing that the show does, especially on CBS of all networks. So, wait, really quickly, and, and I don't want to get into it because it's, it's more newer than older and, and, you know, wasting all the time, but you would make an argument that Colton is a complex TV character? I think, I think he is. I actually do think he is. I'm, I find him sort of sympathetic. Uh, he seems like he has a lot of I don't want to analyze the the kid, but he seems like he might have some issues that he does talk about a little bit, and they allow him to talk about, you know, his upbringing being gay and in the South. And I think they gave him an equal amount of time, at least his first time around. The second time around was more of just a, you know, Colton bashing, which was a little justified. But I think they are, you know, they're willing to to have a gay character and not have him be this either super evil nightmare or this totally flamboyant happy guy. That you know, they they let him have shades of gray, which doesn't really exist in other shows, let alone reality shows, of, of all things. And I think they've been doing that since day one. I think it's actually an amazing thing that people don't talk about a lot with Survivor. Now, it's been pretty well documented what you said about Richard, that he kind of was a, a person that spoke for the audience, and the audience had never really seen someone like that before. Now, who would you say, you said there were other multidimensional gay characters besides Richard and uh, Colton. Who else would you kind of say along the timeline was important for this? Well, I mean, they immediately you know kept going with jeff varner even though i, I don't know if he <laughs> still has even come out so i'm we'll just we'll just you know bleep that later um shots fired <laughs> but you know right away and then there's john carroll and you know they 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 almost set this like new stereotype right off the bat with i'd say those three that gay men could be these manly super competitive kind of intelligent men compared to, I don't know, Jack on Will and Grace. I think for me it was those three uh, when I was younger that kind of sequentially blew my mind. But then why focus, I mean, you know, Rhino, if you know anything about him in, in, the, in the community, is <laughs> the furthest thing away from gay ever. In fact, I don't think there's a female player that's played Survivor <laughs> that he hasn't met. Um, well, Rhino, Eddie Fox, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sucker for these guys. I, I have no excuse for, for my beliefs as far as those guys go. I just think, 
they do need to be talked about on the Survivor Historians. And not just for your gay audience. I think your your female audience will very much appreciate lengthy discussions about rhino's dimples and what else. <laughs> I, I have no follow-up on that, but yeah. <laughs> okay, well, you talked about like the male gay players over the years. Now, one player that I've always thought is fascinating and one of the more underrated characters, someone no one really talks about what a big deal she was at the time, and this is Amy on Vanuatu. Yes. yes. Yeah, I was hoping you brought her up. You, let's talk about Amy for a minute here. So, okay, well, I kind of have to have a Mario moment right now and say that the one Survivor I've ever had a connection to before the show started uh, was Scout. Uh, mm-hmm. She's a friend of my dad, um, and I still distinctly remember when they announced the, the cast and I sat down on the computer, like, ready to see who the new cast was on that day, and it said the oldest cast member is Scout Cloudly. I went screaming upstairs to my parents I was good on TV. Um, so I actually have, weirdly, a personal connection to that season, which would be something fun we could talk about when you guys get there. Um, but anyway, I think actually the, the two of them, it was kind of fascinating to watch them play together, not even as far as like Amy on her own, but the two of the, their dynamic together was, was very fascinating because that was a very female-dominated season, especially in the latter half. Um, and I think that was something that had never really been seen before. Uh, as far as I can think of on reality TV with these these very open lesbians or I don't remember what Scout called herself, omnisexual or something. Yeah, something uh, like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that just kind of like destroyed these men until Chris came around. But it, it was a really amazing thing. Um, and especially in comparison to the way it was handled on Amazon with the younger girls and the older women, and it was all kind of silly. But I just remember, and I haven't watched it in a very long time, but the two of them just completely steamrolling the men and then just kind of things falling apart from there. But I, I mean, that was completely fascinating, and I think that was brilliant casting on their part for the men versus women season. Okay, uh, so let, I was going to say, let's talk about you a little bit here and get our audience a little bit to know about you. Like, how old are you? I am 26. And what do you do? Um, I'm a copywriter at an ad agency out here in New York. So I write Fanta commercials all day. <laughs> now, are you in Brooklyn? Yes, I am. I saw on your application you wrote you were from Brooklyn by way of Wisconsin, right? Yes, I am originally from Wisconsin. And then I uh, spent some time in Portland, Oregon, and then moved out to New York. So uh, I guess if you wanted to shit on a state that no one cares about wisconsin could probably be that state but i will defend wisconsin to my lot my last breath i'm telling you i will not roll over the way paul does <laughs> and paul's the one who's not gay so interesting <laughs> <laughs> sorry I had to go for that. Uh, so, no in my notes here i wrote that that you're from brooklyn and wisconsin and i was curious what accent you were going to have and i'm fascinated you have neither really you have a wisconsin Maybe you have some of Brooklyn, but you're not like Vinnie Barbarino from Welcome Back, Cotter or anything. No, and I I would never attempt a Brooklyn accent. I would embarrass myself. Um, I, am a, I will say I'm a little disappointed that you don't have the big Sioux Hawk accent, though. I know. God, if only. <laughs> I regret every single day not growing up with a Sioux Hawk accent. <laughs> it really would add to a lot of spice in everyone's life if you pronounce things the way she did. Oh, um, God, I'd be so much more popular. Yeah. Well, you just wait till the All Stars uh, Historians podcast. Sue Hawk accent is coming out in force. <laughs> oh, Jay's been hiding well, it. That's another point for me because I could probably do a Sue Hawk accent. <laughs> okay, now in your application, you you kind of took a unique tack in that you said you didn't just want the job; you wanted to destroy the other seventeen competitors. 
Now, is this rampant bloodlust something we would come to expect from you at all times if you were on The Historians? Um, well, I, I, I don't think I'd try to push you guys off the show, but certainly if, if there was ever a hint that someone was coming to replace me, I mean, I wouldn't go down without a fight for sure. Um, yeah. But I actually, Paul, yeah. I actually did. <laughs> I listened to, to the first one, and I was, I was sort of impressed by the other guys, but there were a couple that were talking about their other podcasts, and I just find that despicable. I mean, this is the first podcast I have ever appeared on, and I promise you my utmost loyalty. I'm not going to not going to be a podcast or like some of these guys who will just you know apply to any old podcast they see as accepting applications for no Dan- danny i i've been accused of being a, a podcast whore what, what what do you think about that well i mean i guess it's different if you started the podcast if i just come on like and you guys take me on and i'm just like jumping on any old podcast that you know what does it say about me i'm coming in late i can't be the guy who's like you know, making you guys reschedule because I need to go do my nine other podcasts with all my other podcast friends. I'm loyal to you guys and you guys only. And I want you to know that. That's a good temp attitude. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> if we're, we're going to be kicking around a temp, I like that attitude. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is I am here to be your podcast bitch. Aww. Um, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> I had nothing else to add to that. Uh, Jay, you got anything else for Danny here? No, I was I was actually going to talk about the Wisconsin thing and, and and sort of disappointed that that we don't have the big cheesehead accent. Um, you know, I mean, are you still sad about Brett Favre or no? Um, yeah, I actually am, but Aaron Rodgers is is pretty remarkable, so that kind of makes it that kind of makes it go down a little easier. All right, we've successfully brought football into the Survivor podcast. My job's done with the gay know. man too. Exactly. Who I, I was going to say you you throw the football question to the gay guy, Jay. Are you kidding me? It's Wisconsin football. I don't even know who Gary Hoganboom is, so... <laughs> no one else does. He's a landscaper. That's all we know. Now, have you been watching the show since the beginning? Do you know your, your Survivor history here? Oh, I have absolutely been watching since the beginning. Actually, right before we got on, I just got off with my six Survivor friends doing our Survivor fantasy draft for the next season. Wow. Oh, yeah. This, total Survivor nerd. This guy fits our nerd quotient. He would replace Paul admirably, I believe. Oh, if, if you could see the uh, spreadsheet I made for them all beforehand with with uh, quotes pulled from their videos, relevant quotes. I pulled information from CBS.com profiles. I had my expert analyses that might be slightly biased, so they pick people I don't want to pick. Oh, yeah. You know your stuff. I, I will tell you flat out, you, uh, you've done a good job here today. I, I, I think you have good chemistry with us. Okay, so do you just want to, like, cancel the nine other interviews or... We could. We could just tell you we did that. If, it, if I mean, you don't know any different. Sure. Yeah, why not? They're all canceled. Oh, this is great. I'm so happy. Now, I have one question for you. If yeah. we were to introduce the gay perspective onto the show, which admittedly is something we don't have and we need, would mm-hmm. that mean a lot of show tunes would we be getting show tunes? Like, how, how gay are we talking here? Uh, it depends on how gay you want me. Uh, no, I mean, I could... <laughs> I guess I could, you know, think of a, a relevant show tune for each episode that we're talking about, one that kind of fits the mood. I'm quickly trying to think of any musicals that have, you know, a, a crazy bearded man trying to bury a, a witch alive in the sand, and I just can't think of anything for that episode. And you call yourself gay. <laughs> All right. Um, you, I you, think... you, you can't find a crazy bearded man. You didn't automatically go to Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. What's wrong? Oh, God damn it. 
And you uh, thought we had Dave. no gay. Yeah, you thought we had no gay perspective here. Yeah, <laughs> Jay. You're, you're talking to the guy that directs musicals. What is wrong with you? Oh man, I'm not. I'm not needed here. I'm sorry. This, I've wasted everyone's time. <laughs> All right, we got to sign off in a minute here. Um, uh, one one last thing. Okay, this is again something we don't talk about much. Is the best looking male survivors in history? Name one that nobody ever talks about. Who's the most underrated, good looking male survivor in history? Um. I've got two. Silas mm-hmm. is wonderful, and JP from Cook Islands. Interesting. Sil- I like the Silas choice. As a straight man, I can appreciate him, too. Oh, but JP is, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just wait till we get to talk about Cook Islands. Very oh, that, I'm pushing, that, if I'm on it, I'm pushing that we do do Cook Islands just so we can talk about JP for... A good three and a half hours. Look, Danny, if, if 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 you're here and we're on Cook Islands, I'll just let you talk about JP because I don't really don't want to talk about the rest of the season. So it's perfect. We'll do yeah. three solid episodes on JP, and then at the end we can just say Yule one. All right. <laughs> I think that's just about anything more, Jay. I'm no, good. no, no. Everything's great. Yeah, you did great, Danny. Thank you for stopping by and uh, chatting with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I hope everyone else does terribly. Exactly. I was going to say, for your sake, I hope they all crash and burn. (laughs) All right. Thanks for talking to us, Danny. All right. Have a good night, guys. See ya. Bye. And that was number nine, Danny Gottlieb. A couple people have asked us to repeat their names and number after they talk. That's Danny Gottlieb. He works in advertising in Brooklyn and says we desperately need the gay perspective on the show. And he is probably right because... As we all know, the Survivor audience is like 150 to 200% gay, and we're the outliers. All right, and here we go. We have interviewee number 10. This is Christopher Penberthy. I assume you go by Chris. Is that correct? Yes, Chris would be perfect. Chris Penberthy. And what I have in my notes here is that Chris would be a perfect replacement Paul. (laughs) And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit of something about yourself, Chris, and why you would be a perfect replacement Paul? Well, yeah, I think I would be a really good replacement for Paul, um, just in terms of pure demographics. You know, Mario, you're from Southern California, so you can bring in some more of the you know Hollywood bigwig type people. Um, yes. Jay, you're from the Michigan area. You know, you're pat- practically Canadian, so you can get some of the audience there. Uh, I'm from the St. Louis area in Missouri. Here, you know, I'm from the heartland. I'm more salt of the earth. I can bring in you know a different type of audience than, uh, but very similar to what Paul can. Um, also, I'm really a huge nerd when it comes to Survivor. I've been a huge fan for, pretty, uh, I think it was the third episode uh, that I saw whenever I was in fifth grade. So I'm 24 years old now. I've been watching the show for pretty much, gosh, well over half my life now. I just realized that kind of scary. Um, yeah, and this is a really great plaf- uh, platform for me to talk about just how much I love the show. And I think that you guys are doing a really great service for the Survivor community and um, just letting it be known how much that the show means to the world and to people like us who have been obsessing over it for years. Now, Chris, that was that was some flattery right there. And I, <laughs> and I do have to let you know that flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> I've been doing my best here. Is that? Oh, if you want me to know, uh, want to know something that makes me stand out than everybody else, uh, unlike I believe most of the candidates, uh, I have never met Mario Lanza before, so. You know, I'm more elusive than you think. I tend not to go out and meet people. And yeah, I know people over the internet, but yeah, that's admittedly many of this peop many of the people in this contest are friends of mine. So I I will take the hit on that one. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. Hey, now, not a I was going to say we we get a lot of interviewees. Every single person who interviewed for this contest is a huge nerd. 
So, I mean, admittedly, saying that you're a huge nerd does not really separate you from the pack. What makes you the nerdiest of them all? Oh, gosh. Well, um, if you want to know the truth, I have all the DVDs here. I've watched every episode probably, at least with the first 12 to 13 seasons, at least six or seven times. Uh, whenever I was in middle school, uh, People Magazine used to have the ads that had you know the pictures of all of the Survivor contestants on them. I would rip out those advertisements. I would put them up in my locker, and I would cross you know the pictures off as the contestants were voting it out which is probably why i have no friends now oh good prime demographic for our third historian perfect <laughs> now i i hear it see in your bio here you have a personal collection uh, connection to butch lockley who is obviously a historian favorite i'm interested yes yeah, jay i'm so excited to tell you this story um so i have not actually met butch personally um however i think uh, pretty much all of my friends know me as the survivor guy, and as a result, all of their families know me as that as well. Um, when I was in high school, one of my best friends, her mom went to some sort of event, and my, like I said, I'm from the St. Louis area, and Butch is from only only Illinois, which is about, I guess, like two and a half hours away from here. Somehow, she ran into Butch. Don't know exactly what the event was, and she didn't even know who he was at the time. But Wait, I'm going to cut you off right there. <laughs> You know how she, why she ran into Butch. She she worked hard and she believed in herself and she <laughs> oh, set her you, mind to it. Just you wait. Just you wait. I'm going to get to that part. Well, And she mentioned to Butch, um, they were sitting at the same table, that her daughter had a very good friend who was a fan of the show and that you know if there was any way that uh, I, he could give me his autograph. Well, Butch just so happened to be carrying around um, a stack of baseball card-sized pictures of himself. And <laughs> on the side, it had the Believe in Yourself banner on it with a picture of Butch. And to this day, I still have it, and it is signed, Dear Chris, Believe in Yourself and Your Dreams Will Come True. Love, Butch. Aww. So, <laughs> and it's I just love it that he just signed it just Butch because everybody knows who Butch is. He's just like Cher or Madonna and has just his equally scandalous dance moves, if you ask me. So, Jay, how does that stand up, hold up as, your, of, of, as Butch stories go? That story right there, that's dry. It's dry right there. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so what do you do for a living, Chris? Yeah, um, I work in marketing and a student recruitment for St. Louis University's College of Engineering. Uh, I've been working in higher ed for the past few years. Absolutely love my job. Get to travel around the country, talk to lots of people. So I'm used to talking in front of big, group of, uh, big groups of people, maybe not quite as big of a platform as this, but uh, certainly have experience there. Uh, and in the past, I just graduated last year with my master's in media literacy, uh, during that time, I did a lot of research on uh, cultural stereotypes, cult cultural mythologies, and a big part of my research I did was actually talking about Survivor. So unlike John Cochran, who just wrote like a five-page paper that didn't even really have to do with Survivor, uh, I actually have written extensive papers about the show. Uh, particularly, I did a couple things about um, the way that uh, gay and lesbians were portrayed on the show, sort of the hierarchy of appearance, where a lot of the young, uh, to quote Heidi, the younger, prettier people tend to do a little bit better and what that says about our society. Um, and I actually even did uh, group projects where we talked about the Stacey Stillman case. It was for a media law case, uh, class. And we did a presentation where if they had actually gone to court, how we thought the Stacey Stillman case would have played out. 
I was just going to ask you, who are you presenting these these papers to? But I'm more fascinated to hear about the Stacey Stillman story because <laughs> I think our audience would like to hear about that. Yeah, g- give us give us the TLDR sort of uh, breakdown of this case. Yeah, well, um, basically, I did a group presentation and it was about game show laws. Uh, I chose the topic because I really wanted to talk about the Stacey case. Um, and go back if you look at some of the precedents that were set back with the quiz show scandals in the 50s. Mm-hmm. You know, really what I eventually came up with and as well as the members of my group i really don't think stacy had a uh, like to stand on there i think uh, particularly because in the dirk bean uh deposition he was talking about how mark burnett sort of more suggested that they should vote him out and per the game show laws you know it uh, distinctly says in there that you that the producers can't directly give answers to questions or have any direct influence, but they can have indirect influence. That was a prime example of indirect influence. I don't think Stacy would have gotten what she was looking for. Hmm, that's interesting. I've never actually heard that before. Although the bigger question I've heard come up over the years is, do, do game show laws actually pertain to Survivor? Because I'm not entirely sure that it's considered a game. Yeah, show. that's sort of that's the big thing that we were trying to come up with uh, based off the definitions that we saw there. Just because it is uh, a contest, uh, it's a contest where people were competing for money. Uh, we felt like that was under game show laws, but um, there's certainly I could see a couple different arguments there. If it was based on their game show laws, then I don't think Stacey would have been close to getting what she was looking for. Hmm. Interesting. Man. I think you might know more about Survivor history than we do, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I've been living and breathing, breathing in this show since I was, gosh, 11 years old. So. And also then you would probably recommend the movie Quiz Show as well. Oh, love that movie. Well, and my undergraduate degree is in film studies. So if you guys are looking for someone who can quit pop culture with you, you know, I'd be a perfect guy. Why haven't we hired this guy already, Jay? <laughs> so I don't know why you need us. You could have your own show. Well, as as as, uh, as Chris has just pointed out, I am wholly unqualified. So when you're asking why I haven't hired him, well, I, I'm not qualified to hire anyone, Mario. I'm just a piece of crap just here with a microphone. <laughs> I'm glad well, you Mario, said that. I, or, excuse me, Jay, I've also uh, worked with uh, theater students before, so I can talk a little bit about theater with you, too, if you want to throw a few of those references oh, out. Oh, thank but. God, because everyone else here just looks at me like I'm googly-eyed and weird, which is yeah. true, but, you know, it, it's, it, you know, it doesn't make me feel good either way. You're in good company. It's okay. Um, I don't have a whole lot of more questions, Chris. I mean, you've already proven you're more than qualified for this job, and I think you bounce off us real well. Now, Again, what if you were just to sell yourself, what makes you different? What does nobody else have that you have? Yeah, I think what I have is just the pure passion and the emotional connection to the show. Um, there's uh, just a lot of my big events in life have really centered around the show. Um, I mentioned uh, whenever you asked me to prepare something for this interview, I said that I would talk a little bit about Survivor Amazon and just how much the show meant to me. Um, and at the time, I was in eighth grade, and it was uh, the night of the episode where Roger was voted out. Um, mm-hmm. My my mom told me that she had cancer, um, and that night, you know, we came back to my room and we watched it together. And 
I, we bonded over that. And I'm happy to say that my mom, you know, to, is alive now. She beat cancer was, you know, everything's okay with her. But during that time, I was just this horribly awkward, you know, struggling, te- you know, I guess I was a teen, yeah, teenager at that time. And the show helped me bond with my family. And I really feel like I owe a lot of who I am today to the show. You know, I was looking at Rob's sister, Nino. That was the first time I saw someone on TV that really represented who I thought I was which was just kind of this nerdy guy who wanted to be funny and was trying to you know do his best to entertain people and I almost have modeled a lot of my life after what I wanted to be what I saw him as which I guess is fitting since I'm 24 years old and live with my parents like he was whenever he was first on the show um, but and you know I was one of the few people who even liked Jenna just because of her storyline on Survivor Amazon where um, they eventually revealed that she had her mom back home that was struggling with cancer and I just completely emotionally connected to her you know the next year on all stars when her mom died I just it crushed me to the core it's like you know this this was a girl who I was looking up to and just like because her story was so inspirational that she was doing something like that um even with family being sick so like I said I just I have a really um strong emotional connection to the show that I don't I very few people have yeah, I mean that comes through just hearing you talk. Well, thank you. Yeah, um, I think I've got pretty much. I think that's pretty much it for me, Jay. You got anything else you want to ask him? I don't know if I can follow that, so I'm just going <laughs> to leave it. <laughs> so I didn't mean to end on a sappy note. Was, I'm trying to be lighthearted and funny with you guys. Jeez. So you could really, have at least ended on like a Viagra and hot chocolate joke. <laughs> you could have ended on a Viagra and a hot chocolate joke. And and also you really could have ended on something with believe in yourself. I mean, the whole thing was open right there. Yeah, and, gosh, what was I thinking? It's, you know, I, I guess I'm just going to sit back and do a butch dance. You know, if this was a video podcast and I could do that for you guys, but. All right. Well, we appreciate you not doing it for us. <laughs> Don't want to scare the children that are listening. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Thank you, Chris. We got to move on, and we got a couple more interviews today. But thank you very much for stopping by, and I'm I'm pretty sure the audience is going to enjoy that segment. We always get a lot of feedback from people. They say, "Oh, this guy was okay. This guy wasn't great." But I bet a lot of people are going to like your segment. Oh, thank you so much, and just really appreciate the opportunity. You guys are doing great work here. Well, thank you and for that. You too, Chris. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Next up, uh, number our number 11 interviewee. This is uh, a guy I've known a long time over email. He's written to me over the years about various projects. And basically, he's a guy I describe as Jay Fisher, just uh, undiscovered yet. This is basically what Jay was like about five years ago. And I'm like, if this guy has a uh, platform where he can kind of get out there, he's going to be really good with the audience. Steve is a guy I've felt that way about for years. Here is number 11, Steve Williams. Well, I sure appreciate that. That's... Uh high praise coming from you and quite the uh, large shoes to fill comparing me to uh, Jay Fisher. Yeah, wait, wait. Am I getting replaced? What the <laughs> heck's going on? Not yet. That, that's on the next uh, Apprentice podcast. Ah. I don't know. I'm another uh, you know, Caucasian Midwesterner, so I, I don't know. <laughs> yes. That's one thing the Survivor uh, fan base does not have enough of is Midwestern Caucasians. That's very true. That's very true. I, I'm, I'm here to help. All right, so again, Steve Williams is your name. Tell us a little something about yourself. Where are you from? What do you do? How old are you? Uh, I was born and raised and have lived my entire life in uh, Illinois, the the envy of the other 49 states. And uh, I'm a uh, junior high teacher. I teach social studies. And uh, I'm 40 years of age, so 
I was actually thinking about it today and knowing that I was going to be talking about Survivor and uh, realizing that in my life, uh, my uh, relationship with watching this television show has really only been outlasted by my marriage and my job. And so it's it's really been a, a big part of my life, and uh, I'm just excited to uh, get a chance to talk to you guys about it. Now, I'm excited if you were to join the team because at 40 years old, you're one year older than me, which is nice. I wouldn't be the old guy anymore. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm a young 40, though. I, I don't look a day over 41. That's good. So you could be like Roger Sexton. We just sit around and talk about how you smelled like vinegar. That's right, and I'll, I'll have the Perry Como songs on in the background. <laughs> Excellent. you gotta, you got to upspeak, though, when you say it and be like, and another thing, uh, Steve, he, he, he kind of <laughs> smells, you know, kind of like old vinegar, and look at the camera. All right, Steve, now that I have sufficiently kissed your butt, prove to me that you belong to be here. Like, why should I pick you over all these other fantastic interviewees we've talked to today? You call them all losers, and then you talk to Steve, and you're like, they're all fantastic. He's, he's, he's trying to pump you up, Steve. Well, uh, gosh, that's I, 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 a lot to, to live up to. I, I guess uh, what I think that I bring maybe that's a little bit different from some other people is uh, the fact that I have been with the show from almost the beginning. I did not watch Borneo. I'm strange, I guess, in that way. But I started watching with the first episode of Australia. And so I've been with it now since uh, almost the very beginning. However, my fandom, I guess you could say, has really picked up probably in the last two or three years. Back when the show was huge and everyone was watching it and it was just this pop culture icon, I didn't really go on the internet. I wasn't on the message boards. I I wasn't a quote-unquote survivor nerd who was dissecting and analyzing everything. I, I would watch the show and, and and talk about it with my wife and that's pretty much where I ended it. But I think as time has gone on and this show has kept going and maybe the quality of the seasons hasn't been as good, it's it's made me want to kind of appreciate what a what a good show it has been. So I've been more involved the last couple of years and been on the internet and, and read read books about it and read your stuff, Mario. And, and I so I, I think my perspective is is one of someone who was there. I watched it. But I don't know all the behind-the-scenes details. I don't know all of that. Um, I just appreciate it for what it is and and uh, uh, what, you know, hopefully it'll continue to be. And so I'll just, you know, I, I, I don't think I try to do what either t- you two guys do. I, I can just sit here and, and be the uh, Paul with maybe a slightly higher voice. <laughs> How dare you think you could replace Paul? Well, I just mean from the aspect of, in some of the episodes I've I've listened to, he he doesn't uh, always add speak too much, and so uh, I, you know I think there's a, a role for the understated uh, third person in the group. I think he just called me a windbag. I think he did. <laughs> God, Steve, could you please could you please call Jay a windbag? I I don't know if Jay is much of a, a windbag as uh, maybe some other people I've heard. Hey. Oh, dude, that was you know, amazing. You know, yeah, this is this has been really fun, Steve, but it's been, <laughs> we're running real short on time. <laughs> no, that was good. I appreciate that. Um, so let's see, what do you want to talk about? I know you said in your application that you are a teacher, so you're, you're used to just kind of winging it. Like, what aspect would you, if, if you were to join the show, what's the first thing you'd want to talk about, like, when it came to All-Stars? You know, honestly, and, and, and maybe this will uh, 
color some people's opinions of me. I have not watched All Stars since it aired. And so um, I, I would definitely rewatch it again before we started talking about. But I remember the buildup. I remember the excitement of seeing uh, all these people come on again. And uh, then just the deflation as you as you lose all these huge characters the, the first few episodes and you end up with your Jennas and Ambers and all those toward the end. Um, so um, I, I was... I was big team Lex uh, back at All-Stars time. So when the whole thing went down with he and Boston Rob and everything, I, I was not a huge Boston Rob fan to begin with. And then when that all happened, it uh, it just put my opinion of him down even farther. So uh, I, I don't know you know, where the, the whole uh, Boston Rob thing stands with you guys, but I would, <laughs> would probably not be a, a huge supporter of his when it comes to talking about <laughs> I will say that you will, of course, be the most popular of all the interviewees today because if there's nothing that the Survivor audience is not, it's they're all pro Lex. <laughs> Everyone yeah. loves Lex on the internet. <laughs> now, I am very much pro Lex. I'm right there with you on that one, and I'm waiting for the battle because I know 90% of the internet absolutely hates Lex's guts. So this will be interesting. Well, yeah, that's too bad. But yeah, I'm 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 definitely ready to go to bat for him. So absolutely. I don't. I don't hate Lex, Lex's guts or anything like that. I, I actually think that Lex would be an incredibly interesting person to talk to and all that sort of stuff. But in the in the Lex Rob argument, I will take the other side in that. So it'd be a fun uh, battle. Is not the right word because I'm not going to fight for Boston Rob. But uh, you know, a, a discussion can be had. Fun? Will it be fun? It really won't. But we'll do it anyway. <laughs> yes. And I'm right. this guy. I would have thought would have been a. A big Lex supporter. I'm, you know, I'm fairly conservative. I don't typically uh, hang out with with you know overly tattooed men, and uh, so I, I didn't. I don't. I didn't think I really related to him that much. But uh, there was just something about him that really struck a chord with me in in Africa, and then uh, I was really excited to see what he was going to do in, in All Stars, and uh, and then, and it all kind of went away. Was it his gut? Was this his gut that struck you? Uh, I, I am I am a big gut fan. Um, that's why I've been, uh, you know, a, a big Tom fan as well. <laughs> All right, let's see. We got about five more minutes here, so I'll give you a chance to sell yourself. Uh, sell yourself right now. Tell the audience why you are the man for this job. Well, um, you know, it's a tough one. Uh, like I said, I, I think. I hope my enthusiasm comes through. I, I hope that, that people would respect the fact that here's a guy who um, probably went against the grain of what a lot of other people do uh, as far as getting more involved as the show has arguably gotten worse and has obviously lost viewers and fans and so forth. Um, I, I, do a, I, do a, I don't do the verbal impressions, I guess, maybe, that you guys do. But uh, I have been known to do a Mitchell Olsen impersonation in real life. Now, you uh, know, that really won't come over on a podcast, one of these purely physical and uh, visual impressions. Right. Well, I, I guess um, if you're going to you know, put my feet to the fire, um, I, I could do a good Rick uh, impersonation. I, I just wouldn't speak for a couple of minutes. <laughs> the more oblique humor of Steve Williams. Yes, yes, exactly, even though I have no idea what that means. <laughs> now, uh, you are a social studies teacher, you said, in junior high? Yes, that's correct. Now, are you considered a popular teacher? I would like to think so. I, uh, 
I, every year, as as my seventh and eighth graders uh, leave our school and, and head up to the high school, I am uh, asked why I don't follow them up to the high school and uh, be their teacher up there. So I, I, I think I try to make my class fun. I like to incorporate humor into my classroom. Um, I'm pretty laid back, so that's kind of what you have to be working with that age group of students. So, um, yeah, I would like to say I'm pretty well liked. And it's an elementary school. The junior high is the, is the top uh, age group that we have. So I'm one of the few males in the building. And I mm -hmm. think uh, that kind of helps me as well. Now, why I ask that is if your students found out you were on a popular Survivor podcast, would that make you more cool or less cool? That's an excellent question. Um, probably the best thing that I could do if they did find that out was somehow work Justin Bieber into the conversation because that seems to be the the podcast uh, pop culture topic I am uh, discussing with them the most. So. So that would be perhaps your segment if you were on Historians. How could we relate this season to Justin Bieber? Exactly, exactly. And uh, if there was a good uh, assault on the current season, I think that would be a good connection. I could <laughs> yes. That's, well, that's, I could... that's super easy. We just find the person that has the most recent DUI, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Or, or, or we can discuss the uh, Canadian bias against contestants on Survivor. Now, the good news is, you know, Jay, our, our, our listenership with 12 to 14-year-old girls is going to skyrocket now that there's a Bieber segment promised. Look, man, any, anything we can do to boost ratings is, uh, is, is you know, we're, we're just going to have to bite the bullet and, uh, you know, and, and <laughs> go for it. Yeah, Steve is now stunt casting. He is yeah. stunt casting. He's going to come in like a wrecking ball. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I, I'm sure that's uh, a, a big reason why uh, I was even considered was bringing up that teenage girl demographic. Exactly. That's really what it's all about. That's the money demographic right there in podcasting. Yes, I believe those are the uh, the, the definite uh, consumers you really want. <laughs> yes, the 12-year-old girls. All right, uh, you got anything else for Steve here, Jay? No, I think uh, this has been a, been a good time. Any, anything else you want to add real quick? Uh, no, I, I, I appreciate the chance. I was, I was actually pleasantly surprised when... Uh, I was asked to do this. I, I've really enjoyed listening to you guys, honestly. Uh, it's, it's really deepened my knowledge of Survivor, and uh, just to have the chance to be considered and talk to you guys is really exciting for me, so I really appreciate it. Now, do you regret calling me a windbag? Uh, well, maybe a little. I'll never, never look back, Steve. Never <laughs> exactly. look back. Exactly. No look guilt. Back. There's no guilt on historians. That was a trick question. Play the tape back. Your name was not specifically mentioned. So. Are you a fucking lawyer? You, you can assume whatever you want. So, no, but he lives in heavy implication, and I dig it. And I dig <laughs> yeah, it. Never no, look back, Steve. Yeah, that was great. Thank you very much for joining us, Steve. Again, that was uh, number eleven on the list. Steve Williams. All right, and now we are back with interviewee number twelve. This is a uh, a longtime member of Survivor Sucks. His name is Daryl Ligori. Is that how to pronounce your last name? It wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was right. Thanks, Mario. What? Yes, Dick. <laughs> Really? Holy crap, you're on a roll. Yeah, Mario got it. Ligori. Exactly. Little, few people know I am a professor of linguistics, Jay. Yeah, you're a ling something. <laughs> yes. So, Daryl, yes, you are a longtime suckster, someone I've known for years, although I didn't know your real name. Can, would you like to share with all our listeners, uh, perhaps out there at Survivor Sucks, who you are? Sure. On Sucks, I go by Runaway Durer or RJ. 
Runaway Juran RJ. And and you have come to us. You are a very well-respected suckster known for many funny posts, uh, parodies, things like that. Although, in your application, you said you wanted to come here and talk about All-Stars. Is that correct? <laughs> that is correct. I did write that. All right. So let's see. What do you have about All-Stars that could possibly make me interested in it? Oh, my gosh. Well, I thought a, a fun topic would be if we could go back in time if the Survivor historians, me, you, and Jay, could go back in time, get in our DeLorean, and go back to, I guess, about October 2003 would be when Mark Burnett was uh, figuring out All-Stars. Somewhere. Uh-huh. Somewhere around there. And uh, basically, we're, we're going to knock him out, and we're going to tie him up and put him away. And now we are in charge of casting All-Stars and setting it up. This is okay. getting really weird or really erotic, depending on <laughs> what kind of person you are. <laughs> that well, sounds we got erotic. We we have to improve All Stars. Everyone thought it was a great idea at the time, but the actual execution of All Stars was just bad, and it really started Survivor down a, a not a good path. So yes. we're going to go back in time, knowing what we know now, and try to improve it. All right, let's play this little game. Okay, the first thing I want to do is knock out the two people that everyone agrees should not be All Stars in the first place, and that's Jenna Lewis and Amber. Um, we always hear that Colleen and Elizabeth turned down All Stars, mm-hmm. and I always I, I hate that Jenna and um, Amber were all of a sudden like the backups for Colleen and, and Elizabeth, mm-hmm. just because they were on their seasons and in the same tribe. These aren't um, like Broadway actresses, yes. you know. Just because one breaks a leg, they're not the automatic understudies. So I think we can do better and put in maybe a fan favorite instead of uh, Jenna Lewis and, uh, you know, someone better than Amber. Now, who do you have in mind for that? Uh, my suggestion would be most of the fan favorites made it on All-Stars. You have Rudy, um, you had Rupert, um, but a female fan favorite that did not make it on is from season five, and that would be Helen Glover. You are preaching to the choir, my friend. That's exactly who I would put. I would, I would say the fact that Helen was not considered for All-Stars, the fact that Dina was not considered, and the fact that T-Bird was not considered absolutely gall me to no end. Those are the three that always kill me. I agree with you. So we're going to uh, swap out John Lewis with Helen. Okay. And uh, we'll go ahead and put her on Saboga with Rupert and Rudy and Jerry and see how she does over there. Mm-hmm. Um, to swap out Amber... Um, I was thinking of someone who, according to Jenna Maraska, was asked to be on All-Stars and turned it down. I think if we go back in time, we're hopefully able to uh, change Heidi's mind. I was going to say, please say Heidi. (laughs) (laughs) And and get Heidi on All-Stars. Heidi Uh, is another great choice, yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't know exactly why she turned it down. Um, But at that time, 2003, we know she was laid off from her job as a gym teacher Mm -hmm. in Pittsburgh. This is before Cole Hamels hit it big. Um, so she's probably looking for something to do in 2003, right? Absolutely. And when she wasn't, you know, splitting the atom. <laughs> yeah. Hi- now, wait a minute. Now we're kind of giving a pass here. I know the premise of your game is that we have to replace Jenna and Amber, but there's several other all-stars that have been mentioned that really were kind of iffy to be there in the first place. I, I can't pass over the fact that we're, we haven't mentioned Boston, Rob and Sheehan yet. Well, we definitely need some people from Thailand. I don't think Xi'an's a bad choice. Did you have mm-hmm. someone else in mind to replace her? Well, again, Helen. Helen was really the standout there in Thailand for the females. I agree with you there. Um, if there was a fan favorite vote for Thailand, would Helen win? 
Oh, that is an interesting question. So they didn't do the fan favorites until what? All Stars, Cook Islands. Well, R- oh. Rupert got the win a million dollars. But. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I will tell again. I was at the the Thailand finale. I was actually in the audience. The only finale I've ever been to. And the audience, it was interesting. It was like a a Roman gladiator thing. Every time someone would appear on screen, the audience would cheer. And so it was kind of interesting to see who was going to win the popularity contest. And I will tell you, at the Thailand finale, Helen got all the applause. So it's possible she would have won the fan favorite. Yeah, I don't think that one's close because uh, usually fan favorite has to go to somebody who was, you know, it's usually someone who's in the at least in the game on the final episode. I mean, not always the case, but it's you know usually how it goes. And I mean, you're not going to give it to Ted. Brian's not getting it. Clay's not getting it. So you're like, it's Helen or Jan, Ken or Ken or Jake also are in there. Yeah, there's Ken or Jake, but they were out. You know, ones before. I mean, you, you can make an argument, but I think that's a that's a tough argument to make. America's sweetheart Penny isn't in there. <laughs> no, not Penny. Stephanie Dill. Dill, Ma- Dill uh, Mania was <laughs> sweeping the nation. <laughs> all right, we're we're kind of going uh, side uh, side tracking your game here. Okay, so we're going to replace all. We're going to re- improve all stars. We've got Heidi in there and Helen. Correct. Correct. Knockout Jen and Amber. Okay. All right. Um, I think th- I'm I'm good with the rest of the choices. Um, there's this famous Mark Burnett quote, and I wrote it down. And he said. The casting was really, really scientific. I got a yellow legal pad, wrote down 24 names, and then <laughs> cut, cut it down to 18. It was mm-hmm. that quick. So, yeah, he cast, you know, the All-Stars, quote-unquote, but he didn't think about how they interact with each other and what would happen if they left the tribes the way he had them set up. So, in addition to putting Helen and uh, Heidi on there, we're going to change around the tribe composition a little bit. Okay. And we're going to recreate, I guess, Mogo Mogo. And we'll we'll make it like the Survivor Strategist Tribe or the Survivor Celebrity Tribe. Okay. And we're going to put the uh, four winners on there. So we have Tina, Ethan, Hatch, and Maraska. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll put Rob C. on there. Okay. And then uh, the last person, we need a female, maybe Kathy or Sheehan. Well, you're trying to make this the prestige tribe, so you want someone who's a big name. I don't think Sheehan, unless Sheehan is just absolute fodder that you don't care about. <laughs> I think Kathy would would be good on there. She yeah. was uh, pretty popular, and she's a strategist. Yeah, one could argue she was one of the most popular Survivor players ever at her peak. While we're talking about who would win fan favorites, Survivor Marquesas, who would win that vote? Kathy. Yeah, I'm wondering who, who would be second. I think that would be the question. <laughs> No one would even come within, you know, 30% of Kathy. Except for the general. I forgot about the general. He would be right up there. Well, he wins just for his, uh, God, his final Tribal Council clothing. Go back and look, folks. It's great. (laughs) And America's sweetheart, Zoe. Zoe, that's right. Still working hard, still playing hard. (laughs) So yeah, no, I mean, I've heard this. I've heard this uh, idea come up before that you needed a tribe where basically the winners would be protected, and I don't know anybody would really argue against that. I mean, it seems common sense now, and it seems kind of silly that the producers didn't realize that would happen. That the that the winners and Rob C were basically toast the minute they set foot on that island. I, I liked Rob C's game. I like this Shapira tribe did a great job, and if they didn't screw up that challenge. Uh, whatever the Rob C. Boot episode was, I guess episode three, I mean, they're going to win their way to the merge and Rob C. might be okay. It's possible. I don't know. Again, with his reputation at the time, 
I think he had a bigger target on him than even Hatch, to be honest. Mm. Here's here's a question though. Uh, this is a decent restructuring, and I like the idea of putting all the winners on a, on one tribe, so you know maybe you can protect some of them and get them to last a little bit longer. But the way All Stars plays out, not only are winners targeted and going home early, but people who are you know perceived as winners, like a Rob Sester, you know, but people who got an excessive amount of airtime, I feel, in their seasons, for the most part, unless they were super protected, like like Rupert, you know. Uh, tended to go early and tended to be targets. I mean, is, is, is that something that we can ultimately protect, at least in this first season of All-Stars? I think we stumped him. <laughs> <laughs> no, but well, again, I I a, a friend of mine pointed out once that every single time the vote came down to two people in All-Stars, the person who got less far the first season stayed and the person who got further went home every single time it came down to two people whoever was more successful went home so i don't know how you could really protect against that since it was so you know all prevalent in that season i think some things like rudy um he's a favorite but he he had to be cast mark burnett i think named him as one of the Mm must-haves him and hatch uh what are you going to do with rudy i mean he's not helping in challenges uh not really sure what he brought to camp um, so I think he's going to be an early target unless you can maybe keep him for one or two times and get to a swap. Yeah, Rudy was in a tough situation. He was just he was old in Borneo and he was older in All Stars. I love the whole. Uh, how much time do they spend on whether or not they have to boil the water? Um, you know, he's going to drink the water. He doesn't care about the parasites. Um, <laughs> if you know. From some of the cameramen have come out, and I think they did this on Ask Me Anything on Reddit. They've said the the water that is put into those wells is fine. Yeah, it's basically like tap water. It doesn't. They're not going to give you poison water or anything like that. And there's always these discussions. We need to boil the water. We're going to get poisoned. We're going to get sick. And uh, Rudy was right. He drank it. He was fine. Absolutely. You know the the wisdom of the elderly. <laughs> All right. Well, let's. We we only have fifteen minutes for these segments. So, sure. Just, aside from the All Star stuff, you said in your, your application you wanted to give us some trivia about Boston Rob. Sure. Uh, one of the things that I enjoy about um, being a super fan is kind of going behind the scenes and not really buying into uh, exactly the fifteen six minutes you see every week on CBS. Mm-hmm. To really get the, the full picture, you got to read the the interviews listen to the commentary, see some blog posts and things like that to kind of understand um, why certain moves were made and uh, it makes you think about things in a, in a different light. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my interesting things that I've learned uh, is about Boston Rob. And uh, he started this in Heroes versus Villains. I'm not quite sure where he got the idea, but he started uh, grabbing uh, the other survivors and he would run away from the cameraman. He'd grab a Tyson or a Russell and just take off into the woods and lose the cameraman and try to have a discussion with them and say, you're going to be, you know, my next Amber. It's me and you to the end. This is what he told Russell. We know he told Tyson something similar. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's something that you're not going to see from the edit. And uh, it really explains why, you know, there was some distrust after Tyson got voted out, why Jerry did. Uh, certain moves that she did to turn on Rob. 
And if you go forward to Redemption Island, um, a big question comes up with Natalie Tenerelli at the Final Four. And you wonder, it's Philip, Rob, Rob is immunity, and Ashley and Natalie. And Ashley is Natalie's BFF. And Philip and Rob are voting um, Ashley out. And you mm-hmm. wonder why Natalie wouldn't just tie it up and maybe give us a fire-making challenge with uh, Philip, I guess, versus Ashley. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob pulls her aside about five minutes before the tribal council and tells her that uh, they're drawing rocks if she doesn't swing over to their side and vote out her BFF, Ashley. And he lies to her about what the rules are and lies to her about what the tiebreaker is. And that really, you know, Natalie doesn't know any better. She's not a survivor expert. She doesn't have the rule book. The producers don't correct her. So it just gives you a little bit more insight. That came out in some Natalie interviews. That's interesting. I've never heard that before. Mm-hmm. All right. Before we wrap up here, Daryl, just give us a little bio. How old are you? What do you do for a living? Where are you from? Sure. I'm from uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I'm a Penn State grad. Went to Widener for law school. Uh, I'm an attorney. I'm a trial attorney in Harrisburg, PA. Okay. Now, are you gonna? Now, if we do something that pisses you off, are you gonna sue us like Stacy Stillman? That I, I'm a little worried about that. <laughs> that Stacy Stillman lawsuit. Uh, it's really interesting. I've read it. Um, depositions and the transcripts just uh, to kind of get a background and it's interesting but uh, no absolutely not all right so if we tell you what to say you're not going to hold it against us later i would try not to all right uh you got anything more jay for daryl here no this was a this was really fun yep uh, thanks for uh, stopping by daryl and uh good luck in the uh contest no problem thanks a lot for having me guys good luck on uh finding a replacement for paul All right. See you over at Sucks. All right. Take care, Mario. Bye, Jay. Bye. Bye. That was number 12, Daryl Liguori, number 12. All right. uh, Next up, we have our interviewee number 13. This is uh, from uh, New York. It's Robert Kesternino. Is that, uh, did I pronounce your name correctly? Uh, Yes. Yes. Rob Sesternino. How's it going, guys? Hello, uh, Rob, and uh, welcome to the Historian's uh, Apprentice. Uh, Thank you for throwing your hat in the ring. Um, Again, like many of our uh, applicants, we don't know anything about you. Tell us, uh, who are you? Where are you from? What do you do for a living? All right. Well, I am a two-time Survivor contestant. Uh, I am a, the host of the podcast. Uh, Rob has a podcast, and I have been a lifelong Survivor fan all the way back to the first season. I think I would bring a very interesting perspective to Survivor historians. Mm, so, okay, so so you say you've been you've been on Survivor twice. Uh, have, yes. you watched, have you watched the show before? Yes, I've watched every season going back all the way to the uh, the first season. Uh, I fell in love with the show in two thousand, and it's been a big part of my life ever since. Now, what seasons were you on? I was on Survivor Amazon and Survivor All Stars. Survivor Amazon. That was the one with Jenna Maraska, right? Yes, yes, she was the winner. Now, how did you do that season? I came in third. Third. Now, I'm trying to think. Heidi. Heidi was my favorite that season. We're, what, what, what did you, do you have any stories about Heidi? I know a lot of listeners appreciate stories about Heidi Strobel. Sure. She was the one who got naked for the chocolate and peanut butter. And she was, uh, of course, uh, one of the cute, pretty girls. She was caught in between a rock and a hard stone. Ah. And what about Butch? You know, Jay here does a fantastic Butch impression. Do you remember Butch? Yes, of course. Yeah. 
All right. And uh, what other season were you on? You said you were on Vanuatu, was it? No, no. Survivor All-Stars. All-Star. How did you do on that one? Oh, that's, you know, that's really a story for another time. I don't know. I, I think our audience would like to hear that. I mean, <laughs> yes. that's the thing. It's, we, don't, we try to keep, throw people off their game on here. I know maybe All-Stars isn't our favorite season. Why don't you like All-Stars? Oh, well, I think that there were certainly some great moments uh, to talk about, uh, but overall it wasn't a, a positive experience. I, I came in 15th place on Survivor All-Stars. Do you also feel that All-Stars was a, was, a, was a mediocre season because they didn't bring Christy back? Yes, yes. That they, should, they should have had more Christy. Now, okay, now it's, it's long been a point of contention in the Survivor world that Boston Rob got screwed that season that he should have won that amber probably shouldn't have even been been there now what how do you feel about boston rob i feel like he should have won and i think he's probably the best player uh that anybody that's that's ever played the game because he's been there so many times yeah that you learn more and more every time you go you think he's better than like rupert because rupert's learned a lot rupert i'm not sure if rupert has learned a lot rupert has it seemed like he maybe knew the most the first time he was there Hmm, interesting all right, so so if you were on the podcast, that's I always ask people what would they bring to the show that other people could not, that you were actually on the show. Yeah, I was on the show, and I also podcast uh, quite a bit. I've, I've recorded over 800 podcasts in the last four years, and I think I would be uh, a great asset to the team. 800 podcasts in four years. Um how would you feel? I mean, that, that seems like you're, you're cranking out quite a lot of material here. Here at the Survivor Historians, we're cranking out perhaps maybe three to four podcasts a year. How would you deal with, with perhaps that sort of rigor of schedule? Yeah, I think I can handle it. I think that, I mean, it would be a workload, and I think I'd have to just you know make sure I committed to that schedule, but I think we can do it. I think it's doable. I am a positive person. Now, this podcast you do, what is it about? Is it about Survivor? Yeah, I podcast about Survivor and reality television. Like all, like what other shows? Survivor, Big Brother, Amazing Race, uh, Opposite Worlds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and do, you, do, you, do you speak with, uh, do, you, do you just do this yourself? Do you, do you have guests on the show? Uh, what's the format of this, uh, of this podcast? Yes, so the podcast is typically it's it's just me. I also talk to another former survivor, uh, Stephen Fishback, after the episode, and then I have uh, interviews with guests of other people that were on the show. And how how long you've been doing that show for? Four years. Four years. Wow. So you've been doing it longer than we've been doing this one. Yeah. Now, what kind of audience? Like the historians gets a pretty big audience. And a lot of people, when they get to a show like this with a, a like a, a large listenership, they kind of crack under the pressure. We had a couple interviewees tonight even just kind of fold when they realize they'd have hundreds of people listening to them. Like, would you be able to handle a podcast with our kind of listenership? Yeah, I, I think I could. I think I can handle it. Um, you know, I don't like to uh, compare numbers, but I feel like uh, I would be up to the. I feel like I'd be up to the task. I don't think I would get stage fright. Now, is that the podcast with Jenna Lewis? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That, there was a podcast. That it was. I thought it was uh, Boston Rob and Jenna Lewis. Is that? But that's not no, you, right? No, that wasn't. Uh, I, I think that might have been. Uh, that might have been me uh, a long time ago. It was like the fish tank, right? Yeah, fish tank. Oh, so you've been around for a while. 
Yeah, and I've been uh, doing this. Uh, you know, that was a different sh- uh, show. That was sort of a precursor to what what I'm doing now. But yeah, I've been uh, talking about Survivor for a long time. Look, look, Mario. Look, it seems like he's stuck with it. You know, it seems like you know he 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 worked hard. He believed in himself. <laughs> you know, and, and and you know he could set his mind to things. That's a Butch reference. Did you know that? Uh, yeah, I did know that. Okay, just making sure. It's some people. They they say they know their show, but they don't really. So we try to test them. We throw someone obscure at them, like no one would remember, like like Butch. Oh, what? Well, I, I remember Butch because I played Survivor with him. Oh, that's right. Sorry. So would you be willing then? Because because you have this other podcast, and and it sounds like you know it's it sounds like you're, you're putting a lot of effort into it. Would you be willing to you know put the commitment in uh, the the rigorous commitment that the Survivor Historians is you know uh, with this other podcast? Yeah, I mean, I think I could, I could handle it. I, I would, you know, it would be definitely a lot of work, but I'm up to the task. Exactly. So, do you? You must listen to the historians all the time. Are you a big fan of our show? Oh, a huge fan. Excellent. Now we get a, a ton of Survivor nerds. Every single person that we've talked to today claims to be the biggest Survivor nerd possible. Why? Why are you the biggest Survivor nerd? What would set you apart, other than, of course, being on the show, which. Some would say as a plus, some wouldn't. I'm just, it's up for, up for debate. What sets you apart? Why do you know the most about the history of the show? Well, I feel like the history of the show is a, is a rich tapestry, and I feel like I've seen it from all sorts of different angles, from a person who was a fan of the show, from a person who was on the show, from a person who has commentated on the show after the fact. I feel like I've been in almost every seat on the bus of the Survivor experience, other than somebody who was uh, a crew person on the show. I don't know what that's like yet. But I feel like uh, I think I bring a unique perspective to talking about the history of the show. Now, what's going to blow your mind is the guy who's interviewing next is an actual crew person. You just spoiled it for us. Oh. <laughs> we'll cut this out. No one will hear that part. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of some other stuff. We've got about five more minutes here. Um, Matthew Von Erdfelder. Do you remember that guy? Yes. Yeah, What? what... What do you, what are your thoughts on him? A lot of people thought he was crazy. Yeah, he is a sort of an adventure seeker, and uh, he is a guy who you would definitely want around. Should there be any sort of a zombie attack, uh, he's a guy, a good guy to have around in any sort of uh, you know combat scenarios. The guy is uh, a, a tough mother effer. Good. So you don't swear? Are you like Mormon? <laughs> No, that's Tyson. <laughs> okay, we don't have any Mormon demographic on our show yet, so we're always looking for the new demographic. So, and yeah. a, a question here: you, you played on Survivor Amazon, and so you played with someone who was a rocket scientist. Uh, you know, there there have been several people that have played the game with uh, under the guise or, or perhaps the real profession of being a rocket scientist. How come they don't do so well? What do you think the the parallel is between their job and their success on Survivor? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think that there's probably, you know, the art of launching a rocket is <laughs> just, you know, you're very, very focused on the, you know, the mathematics. There's not a big uh, strategic element to that. It's just all like just just straight, uh, you know, calculations. And there's, you know, uh, I, I'm not sure why the rocket scientists don't do good. <laughs> They make um, the merge. And they're dateable. They're very true. handsome, also. That's true. <laughs> they are handsome. No one's disputing that one. Um, okay, uh, before we go, uh, All Stars. You're talking about All Stars. 
a lot of people, you know, said that there's some people should have been on All Stars and wouldn't and weren't. The big one that everyone talks about is Roger Sexton. Like everyone, yes. of course. I mean, I mean, as a Survivor fan, you know that that guy should have been on All Stars over like fucking Lex. Like, why do you think Roger got screwed? Oh boy, there's probably a lot of reasons that Roger uh, got screwed. Um, I, I think he was one of the reasons was probably because uh, he wasn't really nice to anybody from production. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's kind of kind of a jerk to, to everybody that told him what to do. So they're probably like, uh, let's never have this guy back again because he was kind of really hard to deal with. Now, I heard now this is just a rumor. I heard that you were voted out in Amazon, right? The, the yes, season? Both, both both times I was voted out. I heard that you were voted out because you had made some unkind comments about Mark Burnett behind the scenes and they had to stage it that you were voted out. Is there any truth to that? No, no. That, there, was, there is no truth to, that I would uh, make unkind comments about Mark Burnett or that anything is staged on Survivor. Those, now, those what, are... what about Heidi? Again, I've heard a lots of people made unkind comments about Heidi. Yes, that is tr- that is true. <laughs> a lot of people made uncommon. The, the viewers of the show, mostly. <laughs> Now, what about you? Did you make unkind comments about Heidi? Because we're big Heidi fans here. I would say that most of my comments overall were very kind about Heidi. About her bosom? It was very ample. Yeah, yes. that's right. Yes. Um, yeah, this has been a good segment. I think I, I like our chemistry here. Um, Jay, do you have anything else for Robert here? No, I, I, I don't have anything else for Robert. I think that this was a, a real fun time. I think the audience will probably respond pretty well to you, especially since you've been on the show. Uh, and stuff like that, and 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 this the, your podcast sounds amazing. I, I I mean I hope that you stick with it and perhaps maybe win awards with it someday. I mean that's the plan right now. I mean if I mean I, I'd be willing to you know to give it up to work with you guys because I feel like you guys are going places. But <laughs> I mean I'll keep it as a fallback plan if it doesn't work out on the Survivor Historians. Well, you know we're actually not really going places, so I'm glad we've had you fooled. <laughs> I, I don't believe that. All right, um, would you like to plug your show? I'm sure a lot of people would like to know where they can find you and hear about your your adventures on Survivor with uh, Butch and Roger Sexton. <laughs> sure, sure. I talk about all my adventures uh, on my old podcast, which I will end uh, if I get on the Survivor Historians podcast at robhasawebsite.com. All right. Uh, yeah, thanks for stopping by. You got anything, okay. anything more, Jay? Nope, I think we're good here. Well, it's it's a pleasure of of mine to be on the Survivor Historians podcast. This is uh, a bit of a uh, dream fulfillment, and I'd love to, you know, make this happen. You know, at least three or four times a year. All right, and one last question for you, Robert. How do you pronounce my name? <laughs> I say Mary Atlanta. Is that wrong? I'm sorry. It's been it's been nice talking to you, Robert, and <laughs> we wish you well in the future. Is it is it is it uh, Mario Lanza? It's, it depends on where you live. You're from New York, right? Yes. Yeah, in New York, they say Mario. In, on the West Coast, they would say Mario. Is it Mario Lanza? I say Mario Lanza. So basically, just do like George Costanza. Do the exact opposite of your instinct. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. It's been nice talking to you. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks. Bye. All right. Next up in the interview process, we have number 14. This is Mike Scarlett. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, Mario. Now, Mike, what's interesting is in your, in your application is I know almost nothing about you. Oh, All you said awesome. in your application is that you absolutely hate the show now and you want to come on in Mystery Science Theater with us. 
So um, you are a blank slate. Tell us, why would you be the perfect replacement Paul here on Historians? Well, uh, primarily, you know, the, the interesting thing is I was listening to some of the previous interviews that you guys had, and a lot of people are saying, you know, we want more debate, we want more disagreement. And the interesting thing is whenever I've listened to the Historians over the years, it's um, been more as an accompaniment to the show. You know, I, I listened to the first few uh, seasons as a standalone because I didn't watch the show full time until the outback. I saw the very end because it was so hyped up. Mm -hmm. um, but since then, I, I usually listen to them as an accompaniment with the show because it's so in depth. And the interesting thing to me is that I can recall, and this is the, this is the thing about uh, being a little too introspective is that you get caught up in your head a little bit too much. But on the plus side, um, I tend to remember, I tend to watch the show two ways. Uh, now, I know both of you guys, both you, Mario, and Jay, say that, you know, a lot of your focus is on characters, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And for me, the first time through, um, I actually give a damn about who wins the game. It's weird, you know. Um, I have preferences. I have... You know, favorites just like everybody else, but I give a damn. You know, yeah, you know, I'd like to see the the assholes uh, meet their comeuppance, and I'd like to see the people I like farewell. And then the second time through, um, you know, you pick up a whole, you pick up a lot of things. Now, do my views necessarily change? Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but. You know, going through, you know, writings from various people, looking through stuff like the funny 115, you know, uh, a season that I recently uh, rewatched was Fiji, mm -hmm. which is a show that the first time through, I hated Fiji. I absolutely loathed it. It was, to me, it was like watching Cook Islands with about 25% of the intelligence. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, and he, the thing is, you can see where the entertainment value is, right? Because mm -hmm. you've got so many completely whacked out individuals doing crazy stuff for basically the entirety of the game. Um, but most of them, on the whole, are really not overly likable individuals. Um, personally, I found myself gravitating toward Yao Man more than anybody else. I found him rather similar to myself. So I hope that he would do well. He got screwed by Dreams, um, which, if Dreams had played it right, was actually not a horrible move. He played mm -hmm. it completely wrong. But, you know, you go through the second time and you start picking up the stuff. You know, the people that you hate, you start reanalyzing their games and say, okay, well, now I know, hell, where they come in. I know that they get their comeuppance. But, you know, are some of these people better players than we thought? Are some of them are some of the people who were hyped up as the fan favorites actually worse players, and those sort of things, you know, I, I can recall that pretty darn easily, which is, you know, kind of weird, but, you know, maybe it's a little perk, and I think that that's something that, when going back through seasons, you can analyze not only, you know, who are the players that you are fond of. Um, but how the events transpired, how what the reaction was, you mm -hmm. know, on on message boards, on in media, and from other fans, um, and how going back, you see how you know people's 
how your your own viewpoint and others changed over time. So now, Mike, you sound you sound like a very serious person. Yeah, I, I tend to I tend to get a little verbose. Now, are you a humorous fellow? I am a humorous fellow. I hope. All right, I'm, I'm trying to see here because this is kind of a lighthearted show. I I got that. All right, so now. What would you bring to the table that nobody else does? Tell us a little bit about you. What do you do for a living? I am a professional amateur baseball coach who gets paid a high salary for volunteering. Um, you know, the, the great the great perks of uh, working with young children and dealing with uh, overbearing parents. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, now, where where is this? This is uh, sunny uh, Connecticut um, right. with our with our one foot of snow outside right now. So we should be starting baseball season at about June. Um, you know, so that, that, that's something to look forward to coming, coming forward. Um, aside from that, I, aside from that, I, I write, uh, my, my amazing writings about sports and railing against the idiocy of the world can be found, uh, in various locations. And, I'm sure it's extremely amusing to everybody. Well, as you know, the Survivor audience is known for being big sports fans. I know, I know. It's a, it, a huge <laughs> cross-section. Um, you know, uh, in fact, when I, when I first uh, joined the Survivor community, it was at Survivor Sucks. Mm-hmm. And um, there was basically no sports discussion there. Um, and then several folks branched off into the uh, offset board known as fgc um, which you might have heard of yes and um there's a ton of sports talk there um by myself (laughs) (laughs) and uh i i write with a guy named harrison and we've been writing about sports for a long time but yeah we're pretty much the only serious sports fans there so yeah it isn't it isn't a really big cross section um in terms of sports and survivors so it's kind of an odd it's kind of an odd mix but that's always been the way it is with me you know well being being a being a volunteer coach and being into sports and, and stuff like that when you when you watch these seasons because you said you watch them one way you root for people you wait for you know uh the the not so nice people to get come up and some stuff like that how much of a of a premium do you put on on people's physical performance in survivor uh not too much because uh while i am a coach and while i am a you know, it's when I was in high school. I had a friend who referred to me as a baseball nerd, and it, you know, you, you take offense to that because it's like, wait a minute, nerd's got a negative connotation, right? That's that's Cochran, um, but you know, it, it it's actually accurate. I've I've never been the jock type though, which is which is the odd thing. So it, it's funny because most of the individuals that I gravitate toward as characters are. The antithesis of the athletes. Um, in terms of the physical play, I value the strategic play and the social play far more than the physical play. You know, it, it drives me it drives me bonkers to hear people say that Ozzy is the individual who, you know, most deserves to win the game who has not. When, you know, Ozzy's entire survivor existence is winning, you know, carnival games at Redemption Island or climbing palm trees. You know. And we, yeah, of course, we all know Heidi is the best player never to win. Well, that's been proven. Yeah, I mean, that's well, that goes without question. Of know. course, Heidi and uh, you know the multitude of 
uh, rocket scientists and lawyers who dig for uh, idols in sandy chasms and lakes. Very good. Look, Misty was legit. Don't even. <laughs> Bangarang. <laughs> All right, you got anything uh, else here, Jay, for the for this interview? No, I, this is this has been pretty fun so far. Anything else you want to share with our audience? Um, not really. Uh, if there's anything else you want to bring up to me, um, you know, you can find me at Twitter at Oddest Music. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we got some we got some good stuff going on there. So you know, and I, I I promise that if I'm selected, that all the winnings I get for this competition will go. Unlike what Tyson said, it will go to a bitching party. Okay, <laughs> I won't be there, but you know, BYOB and everything else. Yeah, they're gonna have to bring everything because the winnings is zero. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's this this is gonna be a throw your own kind of party sort of deal. I think. Well. I wish somebody had told me that earlier. <laughs> you know, what I have to say, Mike. I, it's I when you first started talking, I couldn't quite pick out when you were joking about things because your inflection doesn't change. That's unfortunate. No, it's 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 an interesting way. I, I appreciate that comedy style. It just took me a minute to figure out when when you were inserting the joke sometime. Yes, yeah, so that that can be a, that can be a concern. I, I have found. <laughs> no, I love dry humor. Dry humor, or like the like the Stephen Wright humor. I love that kind of comedy. So, I'm just saying, a lot of people are going to listen to the segment and say, "Well, Mike didn't really have any jokes." I'm like, he did. You just have to listen. He has a unique way of of inserting the jokes in there, which I kind of appreciate, actually. Well, I have I do have a unique and winsome personality. So, <laughs> uh, that's good. I I hope that shines through. All right. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, we only got 15 minutes here. We got to move on. Uh, thank you for stopping by, Mike, and uh, good luck with the uh, coaching of the baseball in the snow this week. Oh, it's good. It, it's going to be great. All right. I'll talk okay. to you later. Yeah. I'm sorry. Thank you, guys. All right. Next up, we have our uh, 16th interviewee. This is number 16. This is Greg Lutz, who is a well-known uh, poster over at Survivor Sucks, very well-respected, does a lot of funny stuff. And... Uh, I have to say this before he starts talking. J- uh, Greg's pitch for why we should cast him on the show is that he's gay, but he doesn't sound as gay as Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome. Not quite as gay as Paul. Hi, everyone. <laughs> All right, Greg, tell us a little about yourself. Who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? Okay, so as a, I think it goes without saying that I am just a huge fan of Survivor. I've been there since Season 1, Episode 1. I've been... You know, heavily involved with the online Survivor community, uh, really heavily from 2001 through 2008. You know, big poster on Survivor sucks. I hosted tons of uh, Survivor games, played in tons of them, uh, did a lot of graphic and fun things for Survivor in my free time. Really devoted a lot of my free time to the online Survivor community. Uh, in the past four or five years, I've sort of pulled back a bit. Um, and really, I've been using a lot of my free time now just listening to Survivor podcasts like the Survivor Historians and the Tribe and stuff like that. Well, first of all, thanks for the plug. Second of oh, all, yeah. <laughs> graphic things. What kind of graphic things are we talking about? Well, I'm scared. I'm, I'm a very uh, creative person, so I have Photoshop. Uh, I do my own DVD Oh, covers. that kind of graphics. Yeah. Uh. Sorry, sorry. Like graphic design. Yeah. So I think probably the, what I'm most known for on Survivor Sucks was the Mortal Kombat chops. So I did about 27 of those over the course of two or three years back in 2006 through 2008. 
Um, that's pretty much any, if anybody's on Survivor Sucks, that's pretty much the only thing they'll remember me for. Pretty much. Now, those were fantastic, by the way. Now, yeah. Well, what what is your name on Sucks? In case people want to find who you are. Oh, Van Slyker. Van Slyker. You are Van Slyker. Now, yes. How old are you? Twenty nine. Twenty nine, and you do graphics. And where do you live? Pittsburgh, PA. Pittsburgh, PA. Yes. Now. Now, uh, what? Now, what was your pitch when you were are coming on historians here? Why everyone, of course, should be able to tell us what makes you better than everyone else? What would make you the perfect replacement, Paul? Well, I was just thinking that you know, I I love to talk about Survivor, and I really feel like the older seasons are my specialty. You know, I feel like I know so much about the older seasons, like especially a lot of stuff behind the scenes. I was there when they were airing. I know a lot about what was going on in the spoiler community online, what the fans were saying at the time. And I think that's what Survivor Historians is to me. It's like it takes you back to that time when it was airing, you know, especially for the the newer viewers who've joined in since then. So I kind of thought "Mm, this would actually be, you know, a pretty good fit for me. And plus, you know, like like Paul, you know, I hosted and I don't, I don't really have a good name for my, my, uh, my company <laughs> like Paul has, but I hosted my own Survivor games, and I have a lot of experience there. Did so you, you were like a the, rival. Did you do them in the mountains of Montana, though? <laughs> no, no. It was really kind of funny. I actually, you know, a lot of people would do their online games like Survivor Alaska, Survivor, you know, Fiji or whatever. I would do, mine was just called The Island of Mystery. You know, I was just like, well, it's online, whatever. You know, there, I didn't really give a specific location to where we were. Mm-hmm. It was just very mysterious and eerie. But I, I do have one claim to fame, though, for the online Survivor games. I was, I believe, I'm probably the first person to do the final three, because oh, wow. all of my all of my games had a final three. So it was the summer of 2001, and I did a final three. Now the reason why I did it was not, you know, like uh, Burnett and Probst. You know, I don't think my reasoning was the same as theirs. Um, I was just a huge fan of Gretchen, and I was just devastated when she was voted off. So here I am, 15, 16 years old. I'm like, I'm going to host my own Survivor game. So I'm saying, hmm, I think that seventh person voted out should be on the jury. So that was my reasoning for doing a final three. And, of course, every single one of my games had a really dull, boring winner. (laughs) So (laughs) So, I totally regret it. So you were the first person to introduce the final three to Survivor? Probably. Summer of 2001. So if anybody else out there uh, did it before that. You are a son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Bastard, you're the one that did Rune Survivor. Yeah, well, no, I, I, I really doubt that. But anyway, <laughs> but so, yeah, and then, so I did it actually for the first six games, really. And then I switched to Final Two after I realized that this was horrible. That it's stupid. <laughs> it, it makes yeah. no sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I switched to Final Two way before even Cook Islands came out. So, all right. Well done. Yeah. Now, now, did you actually film these seasons like Paul did out in the wilderness, or are these just online games? Oh, no, no, yeah. These are just online games. So I guess, yeah, I actually didn't know Paul filmed them, so I'm yeah. sorry. I thought, yeah, I thought they were just online. See, I thought you were going to be the Pepsi to Paul's Coke, but it's no. a to- totally different thing now. No, but no, I, I like to think I was really good at coming up with uh, online challenges. And I was, you know, they started in the Yahoo Clubs era. I don't know if there were multiple communities at the time. You know, I know now they probably take place a lot on Facebook and uh-huh. uh, easy. I don't know, Yuku, I guess is what it's called now. Yes. But um, back in the day, I was on the Yahoo Clubs, which turned into Yahoo Groups. So it's part of that whole group. Actually, my original screen name back then was Windblade 9. So if anybody is from that era. All right. Now, do you just like sitting around and talking Survivor with people? Are you uh, like the you oh said you're, you're a big yeah, Survivor nerd. I know yeah. you're going to go on a big rant here, so I'm just going to set you up. What, <laughs> no, what, no. what do you like talking about when it comes to Survivor? What's your favorite topic? 
Well, I mean, I think it's just it's just that I guess there's not a lot of people in my real life that I talk about, like, that will really listen to me for very much. So it's usually one of the first things people learn about me is I hope, well, Greg really likes Survivor, <laughs> since he seems to bring it up into pretty much any conversation. It's really weird. I don't know if it's just the people in Pittsburgh or people who I'm around at work in my field, but really nobody... Nobody likes Survivor. It's just very, a very rare thing. I usually have to introduce people to it, and then people usually come around and, and like it. I just wish you know, the DVDs didn't spoil it so much. Otherwise, I would you – know, I'd like to, to hand them out to people, but I have to pretty much like walk them through it because otherwise they'll be spoiled. You now, know? are you the guy that makes the custom covers for the DVDs? Oh, yeah. I, I, do, that as, I do that as well, yes, because I'm just not satisfied with uh, – the ones from Amazon. <laughs> well, I've said that over the years. It's ridiculous. They put the winner right there front and center on the yeah, box. Okay. Well, I don't fix that because I just try to make mine match the existing ones. But I really do wish, I, I really wish, if I have the time, I will make all of them without revealing the winner. Uh-huh. Now, okay, a lot of Survivor fans out there have taken offense to the Pearl Islands DVD over the years because mm-hmm. it has Rupert on the center in, in, as opposed to Sandra. Sure, sure. I mean, if anything, if we have to pull out any positive thing from that, at least it doesn't completely spoil it. But then when you pull out that third slipcase, there's Sandra front and center. So it's not like you won't find out that she won. <laughs> yeah. And I would argue that was really Rupert's season anyway. And yeah. the winner is kind of incidental in a lot of the seasons. I mean, when I think Pearl Island, that's Rupert's season. Exactly. And I wonder if they, when they get around to uh, Samoa, if they'll put Russell there. I think some people are predicting that. I wouldn't doubt that. Yeah. I wouldn't no. doubt that either. That seems pretty pretty I legit. Mean, it's just a shame that between Sandra's two seasons, she doesn't. Oh yeah, she did. Never mind. I, in my custom cover, Sandra, you know, since it was heroes and villains, <laughs> I did all the twenty people around it. Uh-huh. So I was thinking, oh, poor Sandra. In my collection, she doesn't get front and center. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you have your own version of Survivor history where you yes. did stuff, and you just think that's how it it's really just, was. It's just my own little world. It's my own little you know DVD collection. Yes. Well, what's funny is because I've done that for years. I wrote, you know, these survivor stories, Hawaii and Alaska, way back then. And a lot of times, I'll find myself thinking that stuff that happened in my stories was really on the show. Yeah. So I, I totally understand that. You wrote survivor was, stories, really? Oh, tell me more, Mario. I'm sorry, we only have a couple more minutes with Greg J. We don't have time to indulge you. <laughs> well, so you wrote stories based upon the actual people from the show. Yes. Or like new people. Okay. And that's oh, an interesting. Th- yeah, that's an interesting th- with the regarding the online survivor. Back when I played, we mostly played ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then, then in like 2007, 2008, everybody was doing this thing where you would play as a contestant from the show. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. So I don't know what they're doing today. I've, I haven't played in the past four or five years. Wait a minute, Greg. You haven't read Mario's stories? No. No, but I, no, I've, heard, I've, heard of, I've heard of you guys. I mean, before, <laughs> even, before even this. Yeah. Oh, my Wait God. Wait a minute. I, I know we've run into each other on Sucks over the years, right? Probably. I mean, I never know. With Survivor Sucks, it's just like a whole bunch of – you never know who's behind you – know, you don't know who these people are all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you do the funny 115. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm just saying I, I, I've had run-ins with just about everyone on Sucks over the years where people go okay. on rants and just absolutely hate me. So it's possible we've fought right. over the years. I mean, I'm actually – I mean, I would actually probably be the status of a lurker. I mean, over – what has it been? Like 12 years? Well, since uh-huh. I – I only have maybe like 2,500 posts. I, <laughs> I mean, some people generate like 20,000 in a month. I mean, I'm not like that, no. <laughs> All right. Most of our audience doesn't know suck, so I'm going to steer it away from that real quick. Okay, okay. Uh, so let's say we hired you on as a historian, and we're going into all-stars here. Um, what would we talk about? I mean, what would you bring to the table here as our, as our third person when we go into our all-stars discussion? 
Well, let's see. I think, well, like I said before, I think I, I was there at the time of the viewing, so I know a lot of what people were hating about the show or what they were loving about the show at the time because that really is a difference because I think today, flash forward all these years, 10 years later, the show has a completely different image, I feel, mm-hmm. to people who are looking at it now. I mean, today it's really like the legacy of Boston Rob Chapter 2. But back then it was like its own thing. And like the things that really stick out in my mind that, sort of bothered me a little bit. Well, you know, of course, Amber being cast and, mm-hmm. you know, and of course the, the winners all being picked off first right away. And uh, I think I, I listened to the podcasts last week, the interviews. I think it was Kristen who pointed out the game had been played before it even started. Mm-hmm. So I think we were sort of witnessing that. And it was just, it, it, so All-Stars does not rank as one of the better seasons for me. But yeah. I will say that over the year, it has aged a bit to the point where it's not as bad, but... Um, you know, at the yeah. time, it was just so epic. I mean, there were so many great survivors to choose from. And I think I resented a little bit the fact that they just felt like they had to cast some sexy girls. Because mm-hmm. really, like you, like you guys were saying, I think like Helen and Dina would have been great picks. And they're like, oh, but we have to have a good-looking girl. So we'll put in Amber and Jenna, even though they don't really – they just weren't up to that level. <laughs> you know? Are you talking in looks or as a player? As a player. No, okay. Regarding Jenna Lewis, Jenna Lewis was totally like the parvity of that season. Like you go in thinking, oh, great, what is she even doing there? But then when the show's over, you look back and you think, wow, she played a really good game. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I've defended Jenna in that season for a long time. Mm -hmm. Okay, now one thing. In your application, you pointed out that, again, that you're gay, but you don't sound as gay as Paul. Well, I mean, that's completely. I, I can't really say it. I don't know. No, I know, but I, I'm saying this as a, as a lead-in that it's been it's been mentioned to us before. In fact, one of the very interviews we've done tonight that there's no gay perspective on our show that we are we're missing a huge chunk of the audience because we don't actually approach Survivor history from that perspective. Would you agree with that? Well, sure. You know, I think if you guys, especially if you're looking for like a, a female perspective, I mean, I'm not a woman, but I think mm-hmm. being gay, I have a bit of a, you know, maybe I don't know if you want to call it fifty fifty, but I, I I kind of view things from a woman's point of view and from a man's point of view maybe i don't i don't know if that sounds right but <laughs> no that's right i understand yeah it's just no something he doesn't and that's the whole point okay yeah. here's one thing i mean as Football. a gay man as a gay man i actually don't hate the alpha males on survivor like everybody else does all right now why do you think the gay males gay male viewers hate the alpha males so much i have a theory on this i'm just curious what you would say oh well i think why with why why gay man would hate the alpha males yeah i mean oh, you because go down the line they hate colby they hate tom westman they hate all these guys Oh, okay. Well, so I guess they, they basically think of Kobe from Palau. Yes, they're like that. They just hate the the <laughs> men running. They're very they're feminists. They're girl. They wave the girl power flag. They hate the men. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, but I, I agree think. With but that. I think. But some gay guys, I think, like the men for maybe the same reason that a straight guy would like a sexy girl. So, all right. I at least give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's put it that way. Now, before we go, one thing you wanted to talk about in your application is you wanted to talk about Tom Westman and his uh, win in Palau. Sure, sure. So, um, well, that's the, the season that I'm currently rewatching. I always go through and I rewatch them all. Yeah, I always have one that I'm currently watching. And, of course, every winner has, its, has their fans and every winner has the people that don't like them. Don't uh-huh. think they, so I think everyone's entitled to an opinion. I believe that's fine. But I think I like to dispute the, you know, the opinions either way. And I think if, if someone's going to sit there and say that Tom didn't deserve to win, usually the, the number one case that they'll make is that, oh, Tom didn't deserve to win because everybody else was stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like how we hear a lot today with uh, Boston Rob and well, even Richard, even yeah. Richard and Borneo, you hear that, yeah. So, but I really think that you know, 
a person like Tom, he can really only win Survivor by riding an alliance to the end. And even though he was only vulnerable two times, I think, post-merge, the fact that they didn't vote him off, I mean, is a huge, you know, that's, that's a great social game being played by Tom. That he has, even if it's just Ian or whoever it is that he has wrapped around his finger that they're not going to vote him off, I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's the only way Tom can win. I mean, Tom can't win in, in a game where everybody cannibalizes each other, like Pearl Islands. Well, yeah, and it's the same argument people use against, like, Natalie and Samoa. Exactly. Like, the only way she could win is by being an under-the-radar female. She's not going to be exactly. Tom Westman and ride that game to the So, yeah, it's, I totally understand that argument because, yeah, Tom won because everyone was an idiot, or maybe everyone was an idiot because Tom just completely owned them all. Right. And I, I totally agree with you with that with, with Natalie. Yeah, no, I think the female winners in particular have gotten crapped on over the years. Like, well, they don't dominate the game. They don't win challenges. I'm like, well, fucking Sandra's not going to win challenges. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, everybody, there's only certain games that people can play, and you really can't hold it against them just because they're not in your face and doing some over-the-top strategy. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and now, like, even though Amber was sort of like that, too, I think just there was a bit of resentment just for her even being there that <laughs> at the yeah. time. It was like, I don't know. Yeah, but it's oh, no, everyone int- loved Amber. Go ahead. It's, it's yeah, an interesting thing, though, because, uh, you know, Tom, Tom is, you know, quote-unquote alpha male, and, you know, he had a dominant alliance, and it went ahead to win the game. But, you know, I think a lot of... You, you raise an interesting point. A lot of people just say, well, Tom played a great game. And a lot of people say, well, he didn't really have to play a great game. You know, he was playing with idiots or, you know, he didn't have to play for one half because Kuror kept winning challenges. And it's, it's really interesting to sort of think about why is uh, Tom Westman dominating the game? In, in I, and I agree with you that that's how Tom Westman's going to win the game. But why is he not so celebrated? Whereas someone like perhaps JT, who, who kind of did almost the same thing, uh, you know, in in a you know, obviously there was a minority, and you know, he didn't have this tribe winning all these challenges. But I mean, it's alpha male dominating a game. Uh, you know, gets a little more celebrated. I don't know. Would you, would you say that Tom is not very celebrated? I would say that people put him on a pedestal and just say he he played a great game and he was a deserving winner. You know, mm-hmm. in that way. But uh, I, I think that when people break down, you know, great game players, I don't know if Tom's usually mentioned in those in those breasts. And I'm not saying that right. I put him there. I'm just saying that I usually don't hear his name very much, uh, as you would maybe in the, in the case of maybe like a Kim Spradlin or or Yule or Earl or Todd or something like that. Yeah, I would say, I would think, like, right off the bat, without thinking about it too much, I think Tom's right there with Tina, probably, as far as, like, social mm-hmm. gameplay, maybe. I, I think Tom was very well celebrated for a long time, and I think it kind of went away over the years. I yeah, think, time, right, yeah time, time's done some things wrong to Tom, but I think that when people rewatch it, they just, I just think that Karor winning all those things sort of, in a lot of people's minds, unfairly, I think, in a lot of ways. I'm not saying that I believe this, but you know, unfairly sort of takes away from Tom's win. They were like, well, he didn't have to play the game for half of it because Koror just won challenges. It's that physical element kind of coming into it. Okay, this is interesting. Since this came up, I wasn't planning to talk about this, but this is an interesting dichotomy in the Survivor fan base in that there's a huge you know, chunk of the audience that's gay in particular, and they always tend to like the female players, the Parvati's, stuff like that. Yeah, what's Goddess, funny is less than three, less than three. Exactly. <laughs> but what's funny is that when a female wins, no one celebrates it. They're all like, "Well, the only good winners were like JT and Tom, and the people who won the challenges and dominated the game. Women didn't do much." So it's an interesting dichotomy that this fan base, yeah, they celebrate sorry. the female players, but they can't handle a female winner. You know, I think what, over all these years, I, I, I agree with you. It just seems like people go back and forth, but I guess it's just different people. <laughs> different people are rooting for them, and different people are saying they didn't deserve to win. Yeah, I mean that sounds like a lame answer, but I think that's ultimately course. what it is when you're dealing with the internet and you're dealing with everybody. 
And yeah. then, of course, you have Parvati, who is widely considered the all-time greatest winner of all time, which drives me crazy to no end when I hear that. Yeah, and I've always wondered, so what is the number, who is the audience that roots for part? Who is the audience behind this? Is it mostly women? Is it straight guys? Is it gay guys? I have a hard I, time figuring it out. I, see, I think it's everybody but women. I think straight guys are absolutely entranced by her and mm-hmm. think, you know, if they root and say nice things about her on the internet, she's going to come sleep with them someday. I have no idea. But, mm-hmm. And then the gay guys love her because she's fierce and like the Black Widow Alliance. So she's got this dual thing going on, and I can't imagine a lot of women root for her, to be honest. Yeah, and I totally was like that. And when I first started out when I was younger, I always rooted for the women. I was like, mm-hmm. go girls. And then at some point, I sort of shifted. And now I take like this godly view. I don't really, I don't really like root for in- individual people. I just, I just want the best thing to happen for the show. Like, I just yeah. want a great winner. I want a great game. I want a great season. So. I- I, I identify with that so much. I mean, every time I go into a season, I just want I want the story to make sense. I mean, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a good story. I mean, that's a bonus. Mm-hmm. But you just kind of want the story to make sense. I mean, that's usually what I'm looking for. Yeah, what's funny is a lot of time, I'm not, I'm not even rooting for the players. I'm rooting for the editors and the producers to tell the story correctly. Yeah, yes, yes. That's the, the biggest frustrating thing lately is I just want the second and third. I want the, all the players to really be contenders. Mm-hmm. You know, when you rewatch the older seasons, you're like, man, they're really like devoting time to these other people that don't win, really fooling you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just rewatching Pearl Islands with my boyfriend, and he actually thought Lil was going to win because mm-hmm. <laughs> the editing was so great. Well, that's the thing. Um, you go, you go back to like Marquesas. I defy you to pick out who the winner is going to be in that one. R- exactly. That's that's part of the reason I think why those seasons are so rewatchable. It, mm-hmm. When the winner is so unpredictable and so random, there's you know they're very rewatchable, and then the winners that are very obvious it's like okay they deserve to win but i think the rewatchability is just not as fun because the editors just didn't really devote much time and i'm thinking right now Susie. i'm thinking oh my gosh she lost by one vote why didn't the editors <laughs> make her look like a possible winner that would have been a great finale but even though you look at it on paper and you think okay yeah, bob had it in the bag but still <laughs> no, i agree yeah it's interesting yeah. because to me it just seems like the producers that after a certain point didn't really trust the audience's intelligence anymore Exactly. They have to tell you who's going to win and why. And they didn't really do that in the early years. They expected you were smart enough to be able to figure it out. I I really believe that. I really believe that if if a really nice person ends up losing, Uh a lot of times they'll just give them an invisible edit because they don't want the audience to become attached and then be let down. You know, like they're just so, the audience is just so stupid and that we can't handle a nice person losing, you know. Ugh, it's very frustrating. (laughs) I totally agree. Again, you're preaching to the choir on this. We we totally agree with this. I know. Well, well unfortunately, yeah, we get we have to get sign off really quickly. But uh, anything else really quickly that you want our audience to know about you? Uh no, I think I think I think it's was a lot of fun. I'm, it's an honor to have been selected and have made it this far. I'm glad I got to talk to you guys. I'll just tell you right now. I think this is one of the segments that the audience is going to like. I, we, we always get a lot of feedback, and some of the topics we talked about are things you don't hear on Survivor podcasts much. So, uh, thank you for coming on and, and actually getting us some intelligent discussion here. Yep, no problem. Thank you for Absolutely. having me. Absolutely. All right. And again, that was uh, Greg Lutz, who was our interviewee number 16 for those of you scoring along at home. Thanks, Greg. All right. Here we go. Almost uh, done with our interviews. We have number 17. This is Sarah Costa. This is one of the uh, rare female applicants for this contest. We're very excited to talk to her. First off, did I pronounce your last name, Casa? Yes, it was very well done. Thank you. Oh, thank you. You were on a flipping roll tonight. I, I don't even know what to think anymore. <laughs> yes, uh, I am pronouncing everybody's name correctly. So w- welcome to Historian Sarah, and uh, tell us a little bit, a little something about yourself. Uh, who are you? Where are you from? How old are you? What do you do? 
Uh, well, I'm Sarah, a.k.a. Wolfie the Black on Survivor Sucks and on Twitter. Uh, I've been a Survivor fan since, uh, like, halfway through episode one. Um, caught up with the first half later. Been a fan ever since. Um, 26, and I'm from New Jersey. And what do you do for a living? I work at a major theme park in guest relations. A major theme park. Excellent. So so you sell fun, which is really what we are here on Historians to do, is that you, you're selling fun to the audience. I try. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, right, I try so, to uh, diffuse unfun, let me put it that way. <laughs> excellent. That is another thing we do here. When Like when Paul shows up, we try to diffuse when he brings the show to a halt. <laughs> All right. Wait, wait, so, wait, wait, wait so, no, no, no. I'm confused. So are we an expert then on fun or are we an expert in unfun? What is this Can't fucking in- inception? What the hell, Jay? Dude, I don't know. You said fun, and then you were like, then there was diffusing unfun, and like, you know, my tiny brain, it just can't add this up. Well, Sarah started it. You know, we were like, doing fun until Sarah got here. All right, Sarah. Now, you are, a, again, well-known suckster, uh, Wolfie the Black. Um, now, I don't have a prepared topic for you to talk about, so why would you make the best Survivor historian? What sets you apart from all the other chumps that are trying to steal your crown here? Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to like paraphrase what I said in, the, in, my, uh, in my essay to you guys. Uh, it's, it's a sausage fest. Uh, maybe not sorely needed, but a female perspective would be nice, uh, especially one that's been around since the very beginning like I have and is, while still young, old enough to remember exactly where I was every week when it was on. Um, also, I mentioned that I was a fan of Cook Islands. Oh, no. Which, which I know is, is possibly a detriment, but... I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. It's been a good interview, and we've enjoyed talking to you. <laughs> well, that was <laughs> right. fun. Yeah, no. Now, again, we've had several people in tonight's interviews call us out that we have no gay perspective, that it's just two straight dudes sausage-festing it up. Now, why do you think a female perspective would be more valuable than the gay perspective? Mm, I don't think it'd be more valuable, just as valuable. You're not uh, helping your case, because they were well, really no. good interviews. <laughs> I didn't even realize who you were talking to before me. Anyway, um, yeah, like, uh, female perspective is always good on everything, especially, like, well, even though you've already done them, like, you know, back in the beginning when Rich won, you know, they, they said a woman could never win, and then, hey, hey Tina does for the very next season. That's right, the way no, how, and, like, even though it's not quite even nowadays with winners, like, uh, there's, there's almost as many female winners as there have been males, so, like, they're just as good as the game as males. I, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I'm just trying to help you set yourself apart from the rest of the pack here. Now, again, I don't know if did you listen to our interviews from last week, the eight we talked to? Yeah, I did get a chance to listen to those, and I enjoyed most of them, yeah. Now, there was a lot of sentiment of the last group that, that we should hire one of the females because there's no females on the show. So, so you have kind of a little advantage here with the audience. The audience really would like us to hire a female. Sweet. Yes, I know, I know you'd appreciate that. <laughs> So do you have anything bad to say about Heather or uh, or Kristen from the last group? Again, this is our little, you're the competition of each other. Oh, I couldn't say anything bad about them. I actually like Heather. She reminds me a lot about a, a slightly younger version of myself. All right. Okay, so let's talk Survivor here. Let's get into something meaty. Wait, wait, hold, on, hold on. Sorry. Sarah, what, what's your opinion on Parvati? Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not my favorite. Um, I think she was ridiculously lucky in Micronesia, but... Um, I think she's she's good at the game, but I don't I don't think she's terrible. But she's not my favorite. What about Heidi? 
it's funny. I was like, I rewatched Amazon earlier this year, and it, like when it first aired, I didn't really appreciate her that much because I was like, you know, too young to really understand like all, you know, old women versus sexy younger women. But watching her again, she is just hilarious. <laughs> and final <laughs> one, what about Zoe? <laughs> Zoe. Uh, I didn't really notice her until until I listened to the Marquesas Historians podcast. Would, would you like, say you guys that, tell me you appreciate her. Would you say then that after listening to the Historians podcast, you dug her eyes and, and perhaps her entire presentation? Yes, very much so. By the way, do you appreciate the irony that if Heidi came in back and played again, she would be one of the older, fatter women on her tribe? I hadn't thought of that, but yeah. I mean, she still looks hot now. I mean, so I yeah. read an article about her recently. Of course, it's Heidi. I mean, come on. <clears throat> All right, so let's talk survivor history. Let's let's just throw anything out. Throw throw any subject you want out there about the first eight seasons of Survivor, and let's discuss it. What do you think would make an interesting show? Um, I think uh, among like the general fan base, uh, Africa is not as appreciated as it could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, with all the polls on like sucks and such, like Africa is always usually near the bottom. And meanwhile, it's my number one favorite season. Now, why? Why is that your favorite season? Because I would say. You know, for years, I agree with you. Just knowing our our history on the internet, I've known Sarah for many years on the internet. But yeah, Africa was widely considered the, if not the worst season, one of the worst for a long time. And then Thailand and Vanuatu kind of took it over. But yeah, it's it's one of my favorite seasons too. And I don't really understand other than timing. I mean, it was right after 9-11. It really it was, it came out at a really bad time. But why is it your favorite season? Mainly because I really love Ethan and he's my favorite winner. And he like he like went to the very end of that season. He was the first like really nice guy winner they ever had. Oh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> that's that's an argument I've kind of had of my own for years. That Ethan is maybe the most important of the first three winners because he was the one the audience was rooting for, and that wasn't really the case with Richard or Tina. Well, everyone on Suck says Ethan's a terrible winner. Like how he's not? Yeah, exactly. Like, he may have, like- he, oh, like he may have not have been like exactly calling all the shots like Lex was, but he's still like he's a much more rootable type of guy than Lex. Well, yeah, and you go back to the T Bird quote. Everyone knows the famous T Bird quote. What can you say that's bad about Ethan? Nothing. Exactly. <laughs> One of my favorite Survivor quotes. I don't know. I, I'm going to have to call BS on you there. You're like, let's go back to the famous T Bird quote. You can just stop right there. <laughs> You need to respect T-Bird more, Jack. I this do is- respect T-Bird more, but uh, you know, sometimes I think that there's a little fiction involved, but we're all good. I would say this is your one flaw, but I know you have more flaws than that. Oh yeah, I'm I'm totally <laughs> I'm totally flawed. It's all good. All right, Sarah, so besides Ethan, what else about Africa stands out to you? I I really love the location. Like I remember when I first aired, like I wasn't that thrilled with it. But then when Marquesas was there, I kept thinking back, like, man, I really want to watch Africa again. And then when the DVDs finally came out, I rewatched the season again. And every time there's, like, a wide shot of the location, it's like, my God, that is just gorgeous. Like, how can yeah. anyone say that's a boring location? Yeah, and again, they, they really put a lot of love and care into working the theme of the season into, the, I mean, the location into the theme of the season. And I don't know if they've ever done that as well as they did in Africa, where every challenge was, like, based on some African custom or some African location. Yeah. Well, right, they did a little bit with Thailand and China, but uh, like they were like Asian season, so it, uh, you have a lot to work with there. You do, but then you have, you know, not just the wide shots that you mentioned, which which I completely agree with, but just just the fact that some of those rewards. I mean, just the fact that they got to go on the balloon ride over the Maasai Mara. You know, it's just that, that whole thing was just so breathtaking. And Ethan and Lex in the village is still my favorite reward ever. I agree. The hacky sack scene—that's one of my all-time favorite scenes in Survivor. 
are you sure you like it because of the hacky sack scene or the fact that they got the runs from eating those fries? <laughs> I like yes. him with the goat in the village. That, that, that was my favorite part. All right, so, so we've established you kind of know your stuff, you know your history. Once again, at this point, we kind of work on the chemistry. How well do you bounce off us? Now, are you a regular listener of the historians? Yes. Now, what is something we do well, and what is something you think we do poorly around here? Well, I love how, uh, well, obviously the point of the podcast is going back and, like, saying about where the point, where Survivor was in, like, in the pop culture scene at the time and how it related to everyone that was watching. But I also like how you point out, like, go episode by episode and point out the little things that I never would have noticed otherwise. And what's something we do poorly? I'm, I'm trying to see here if, if you are willing to cut us down on the air. <sighs> God, you got me on the spot here. That's what I do, Sarah. I got nothing off the top of my head except maybe like you go off on tangents, but I guess that's like kind of the point, isn't it? All right. Just the only flaw that you've come up with is that we are a huge sausage fest and we're sexist. Is that the problem? I would say sexist, just too many males. <laughs> All right. Now, would it would it be a problem if I said we could only pay you seventy five percent as much as we were paying Paul? Did, were you paying Paul anything? I, I'm just kidding. I just wanted to make a second. Like any money would be great. Hey, seventy five percent of zero is exactly zero, Sarah. Exactly. No worries. I'll still just, try, just trying to elicit a reaction out of you. Just seeing what I could pull off here. <laughs> All right, uh, you got anything else for Sarah, Jay? No, I think the I think this has been a lot of fun uh, with this interview. Is there anything else you'd like the audience to know about you? Um. Hmm. Again, with the on-the-spot thing, I should have prepared for this more. We don't prepare anything here. Everything is on the spot. Yeah, we're, <laughs> on, we're on the fly. We're off the cuff. It's, it's just how it goes. I, I will help you a little here, Sarah. Would you, from knowing you from Sucks, would you describe yourself as kind of s- smart-alecky and snarky? I try to be. Yeah, I, this is... <laughs> Jay, I don't know if you, spark. Yeah, it's, that's the thing. This is, have you done many podcasts before? No, this is my first. Yeah, that's the thing. I know Sarah quite well. I can vouch for her sense of humor. She's very sharp and very quick on the fly. And, and again, if, if, if she's at a loss for some of these answers, it's only because it's her first podcast. I, I can vouch for her very well. I know her. No, this is... This I'm kind of like really nervous here. My leg is pumping up and down. On <laughs> <laughs> no, this, this has actually been really, really, really good. So if this is your first time on the air, I think uh, it's a smashing success, to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Yep, no, we appreciated it, and this is one of the segments I think the audience will, will like. We, we get a lot of feedback on who they want us to cast. And again, we have a huge chunk of our audience saying, I really want you to cast a female. So right now we're only interviewing three females, so the odds are looking very good for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that's about it. Uh, anything else you want to add, Sarah? Uh, Russell sucks. <laughs> Russell sucks. They Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> yeah, no, you wanted to come on here trashing Russell. I, I feel bad we didn't have enough time to just shit on Russell. <laughs> well, if we if we hire you on, we'll have more than enough time to shit on Russell in the future. I promise. Oh, good. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Yep. Uh, once again, everyone, that was uh, interviewing number 17, Sarah Casa, also known as Wolfie the Black on Sucks. All right. Uh, last but not least, we have our final interviewee of the process. This is uh, Joshua M. So mysterious, he won't even tell us his last name. Joshua M. is a pop culture sponge and says he can hang with anybody on anything related to pop culture. So we are very excited to welcome Joshua to the show. Hola, bienvenue. 
You know, I'm, I'm going last, so according to recency bias theory, I should win by default. If I'm yes, not you, you will win the most popular winner, the best winner in, in historian history because you were most recent. Yeah, Joshua, I, I would have to say, if we were having a Survivor Historian's Apprentice Hall of Fame, you're probably in in the next couple uh, rounds. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I don't see any way that I can lose. It'll be you and Brenda. <laughs> yes. All right, so are you going to tell us your last name or are you going to continue to be Joshua M.? I plan to be Joshua M for as long as possible. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there, that if someone really wanted to figure out, they probably could. It's just All right, one of the mysteries that that uh, the world will think about, like where Jimmy Hoffa is buried. Yeah, the world will think about this often. Yes. <laughs> now, tell us a little bit about yourself, other than your name. Like, where are you from? What do you do? How old are you? Midwestern boy. I'm uh, English major. Currently graduated. Currently graduated. Just graduated from college. Uh, trying to find my way in this world, and I'm, how old am I? 22. So you basically do nothing. Correct. I do have, nothing. Well, I do have time to podcast. I do have a computer and internet. So <laughs> I, I watch videos online like Jackson Brown songs, but... Excellent. So, so yes. Now, okay, so what sets you apart? Obviously, we talk to a lot of nerds in this competition, a lot of survivor experts, a lot of survivor nerds, people that just hang around and watch videos on the computer all day and survivor episodes. What sets you apart? What, what makes you better than all the other losers who are applying for this job? Well, I wouldn't say I don't know if I'm any better than any of the other losers, but I don't, did any of the other losers break out into song randomly when they heard a lyric? Not did yet. Any, You're more than willing to, though. Did, did anyone do a Max Headroom impression? <laughs> and surprisingly, no, not in 2014. Oh. I love Max Headroom. I heard Max. that Max, Head- Max Headroom and I wanted to break out into an impression of Max Headroom. Okay. And I'm still disappointed that no one's broken out into one right now. Into a Max Headroom impersonation? Yeah. This isn't it. This isn't every, time, every time I hear that, I want to do the ref. I want to do the voice. I what are we, do- in the Cafe 80s in Hill Valley? What do we have <laughs> to do a, a Max Headroom impersonation for you? <laughs> it's something it's just one of those things that's stuck in my craw and every time I hear that I, every time I hear Max Headroom I just want to do the impression you're 22 how do you even know what Max Headroom is uh, they're called DVDs <laughs> I hang wow. out with a lot of people that are a lot older than me that watch almost as much television as I do look man you know he's hanging he heard it from his friend Mac tonight <laughs> yes okay let's let's talk about Survivor what okay. is your background with Survivor here? Um, I did. I saw the finale, and I think I saw the Joel, like the the boot end of the Joel Klug uh, episode. Uh-huh. Did, didn't watch the rest. Watched the finale because everybody watched the finale. And I uh, started in Australia. Was probably when I'd say I really truly did start. Now, how old were you? You were like nine. I would have been, and yeah, I would have been like nine or eight. Now, didn't Survivor inter- like interrupt all your Pokemon time? It did. <laughs> Pokemon, Pokemon was six back then. Yeah, it did. It did interrupt my Pokemon time. Okay. It was difficult. It was difficult because that's when we all met to to trade cards and play our Game Boys and all that junk. Yeah, I apologize for the young jokes. We just haven't had Paul around here to kick around for a while, so I'm lapsing into my old habits. No, I perfectly. I assume I'm the youngest. What uh, of? What yeah. of? <laughs> of yeah. all the interviewees, you're close. Yeah, I mean, I thought among me, you, and Jay, yeah, it's not even close. I'm going on Amber Appeal. Amber Appeal. She was the youngest. All right. So, okay. So what do you want to talk about when it comes to Survivor here? Let's see. From your application, what did you write? 
that you watch the show in a casual way and not a strategic way? Uh, at the time, I, I never even thought about it in terms of strategic sense. I always just thought about it in terms of who did I like the most and who did I want to see win and which tribe I wanted to see win the most. And it, it amazes me because I did, as, as far away from the Internet as someone like Paul is, at age nine, I had no Internet whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like I think I went on the CBS website during the finale, and that's pretty much my only exposure to the Internet. So I have a much different view on a lot of things than a lot of Survivor fans. Like, I got to be honest, it amazes me that Sean from Marquesas was not uh, particularly well-liked because throughout that entire season, I was like, go, Sean, go. I want you to win. Now, is that because he represented you as a white Midwestern kid? Absolutely. I felt so represented. (laughs) Was it chicken and waffles? You were having those all the time? He spoke to me. He spoke to my (laughs) heart. Well, yeah, it is funny that... You watch Marquesas now, and Sean is such a standout. But you're absolutely right. He was really not that really well embraced by the audience. Yeah, and I'm almost as embarrassed to say that in Africa, I was so, so... I'm going to get so much hate for this. I was rooting for Silas. There's nothing to hate about that. I like Silas. But at the time... I mean, everyone hated him at the time, from what I've gathered. Yeah, They were just jealous of his success, Joshua. Don't listen to these people. (laughs) Strength and honor, baby. He was all about the strength and honor. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, who were you rooting for in Borneo? And now I'm curious. Well, I didn't see it at the time, but during the finale, I remember rooting for Richard to win. I don't know why I didn't know anything about him other than he... I think I joined... I didn't see the... I saw it, like, halfway through. Like, I was flipping channels, and then I saw this Survivor thing. I'm like, okay, I better watch this. So I actually, like, turned on, I think, a couple minutes before he took his hand off the idol. Okay, now what about Australia? Who were you rooting for in Australia? Uh, I, Elizabeth. I was young at the time. I was rooting for Elizabeth that season. I got to be honest. There's Uh, no shame in that. She was popular. I was rooting against Tina. What? Yeah, I was so... It's the weirdest thing, and I've I've said this before, which is, for the first uh, seven seasons, it seems like the person I hated most ended up winning. (laughs) I hated Tina. I hated... It's not that I hated Ethan. I was just yelling at the TV, like, why hasn't he been voted out yet? He's going to (laughs) win. I didn't, like... I didn't like Brian because I thought he was a sleazebag back then. Oh, he's not a sleazebag. Where would you get that? <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, well, I want to go back to Tina, you yeah. son of a bitch. <laughs> Tina's like my all-time favorite player. What could you possibly not like about Tina? It was, it was the mad dog vote, and I didn't think about it in a strategic sense. I thought about it in a friendship sense. I'm like, why would you vote your friend out and then write a smiley and then write a sad <laughs> face on the vote? Like, that's so stuck in my craw. And then when she did it later to Elizabeth, I was even more mad. No, I, I, I understand that. No, it's if I was watching the show like that as a as a youngster, I totally would have been pissed. And I remember when Tina voted out Mad Dog, I remember calling my wife at home. I'm like, I just saw the most heartless thing I've ever seen on Survivor. So I totally understand that. Well, had anyone voted their friend out before that? I mean... No, you really didn't vote your friends out until you had to, like at the final four, the final three, like when Kelly voted out Sue, that she just kind of had to. She wasn't planning on it. Right. Yeah, no, that was really the first one where you just voted out your friend. Mm-hmm. And that's why I didn't like her, and I didn't like Ethan because I was just screaming, he's going to win, he's going to win, he's going to win. Brian, because of the sleaziness. Uh, Jenna, because of pretty much the same reason everybody didn't like her, <laughs> I'm to say. Now, why didn't you like Jenna? Jenna was America's sweetheart. I I fell into the Christie trap, i got to say. Oh, I'm not gonna no. lie. I fell into the Christie trap. For, as much as I... As much as I love saying that I was rooting for Sean and Vesepia, 
even I have to admit that sometimes I did fall into the crowd, and I would root for the person. I would root for the person that the editors wanted me to root for. So apparently, if if Jenna Maraska had been black, you would have voted rooted for her. <laughs> yes, I probably would. Big Clarence fan, yeah. Yeah, what about Heidi? Where do you stand on Heidi? Okay, that's an interesting story, because I, I wasn't even going to watch Amazon. I was so infuriated that Brian won. <laughs> I was like, I'm not even going to watch this season. And my, my art teacher in grade school actually said, uh, hey, my niece is going to be on this season. Her name's Heidi, and she's going to go for a long, long time because she lost all this weight, but there's no way that she won. And so all the kids in school were watching uh, Survivor. All the kids in my school were watching Survivor Amazon. And we all did see... I remember it was a big talking point, the peanut butter and chocolate uh, scene. Uh Mm -hmm. Now, it it fascinates me when I think back to this that Heidi was a PE teacher. Yeah. Like, did you ever have a a PE teacher that looked like Heidi when you were in school? No. Most of my PE teachers looked like... like Zoe. Yeah, Zoe. Like Zoe or... (laughs) I was going to say Patricia. (laughs) Yes. That's good. I, I appreciate we just throw out random, you know, minor celebrity characters like Patricia, and you know who they who is. That's a, a good selling point. Not everyone remembers Patricia. Well, that's the thing I've learned watching the show is, or listening to the show is, just pick some random survivor that maybe like one in 20 survivor fans remember and just make fun of them mercilessly. So yeah. get ready, Brady Finta. You're next. <laughs> yes, exactly. I was going to pick Mia, but yeah, you want Brady. Good. Yeah. <laughs> good. Uh, you got anything else for Joshua, Jay? No, this has been this has been a lot of fun. Um, anything else you want the do you want the, uh, the audience to know about you or not know about you? Uh, know about me? Well, there's a lot I don't want the audience to know about me. <laughs> well, that's clear. But is there anything that you will allow them to know? Uh, no, I'm just going to go on the basis of pick me because I have a nice smile. Now you know this is this is not a video podcast. No one will ever see your smile. Oh, yeah. I guess you're right. Now, could you tell us your social security number? <laughs> five, five, five. Oh, wait, that's my phone number. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I have to say, I like our chemistry with you. You're, you're an interesting guy. I would like to talk to you more. It's, I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that you're 22 and you do Max Headroom impressions. Max Headroom! Did you ever see the clip of him on Letterman? Max Headroom? If I did, I'm sure it didn't register with me. When, when was this? It, it was, it's a funny clip because they added all those weird effects in later. But on uh-huh. Letterman, he was live, so he actually had to do the effects live, and it was really, really weird. Now, did you ever see his TV show, the Max Headroom TV show? The, the, uh, the drama one or the talk show? I saw the, the drama, the, the one that was the, uh, the show for the future. I saw that one. I, didn't see, I never actually saw the talk show. Oh, I, I only know the talk show. I was going to stump him on some obscure 80s knowledge, and now he's stumped me. <laughs> you know more 80s stuff than I do. Yeah. How, no, okay, how, how is this possible? I, you, you mentioned you're a pop culture sponge, again, in your application. I'm fascinated by this. How do you know all this stuff that's, that's old, much older than you? Well, most people's brains, uh, they, work like little, they like work like hands. They pick up little pieces of, I'd say, dirt or something off the ground, and my brain's like a vacuum. Just because sucks. it sucks, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It sucks as it cuts. <laughs> you got that one right, please. That was a movie quote, Joshua. Please say you got that. It sucks as it cuts. You, you've stumped me. Oh, that's from Wayne's World. Oh! Yep. All right. A little disappointed, but again, you, you throw Max Hedrum over my head, and I, I know my 80s, and I don't even know that stuff. So, well done. All right. All right. Um, 
there is one thing I want to say, which is that if I'm picked, I, I think I said this in a letter somewhere at one point, but if I'm picked, I'm going to mercilessly mock Mario for his uh, preseason Survivor All-Stars. Uh, <laughs> read those. Because my big thing is irony. I'll, submit, I'll take uh, people's preseason Survivor comments and just kind of take them out of context and make you seem like an idiot for thinking that someone was going to do well. Those co- that, that thing's like funnier than anything that happened on Survivor All-Stars, I must say. Some of it was true. Some, some of it turned out to be true. So, some of it was true, but uh, in case anyone was wondering, who was your who was your uh, who was your pick to win? I, we're running out of time. I don't know if we have time for that. <laughs> um, my pick to win was Tina, uh, but it was it was partially because I thought she would do really well, but partially it was my tribute to my all time favorite uh, player that I didn't get a chance to write about in Australia. So that, I thought I wanted to make sure I got a listed one number one in the power rankings before the season. But, yes, I did think Tina would do quite well because she has Rupert and Ethan and Rudy, and they're all the nice people. The nice people were all going to align. On paper, that sounds totally legit. Right? Sure, yeah. Fuck you, don't judge me, Joshua. And who the fuck are you? Some Midwestern boy. (laughs) No, I'm saying, one thing that doesn't happen enough on the show is people don't call me out on my shit enough. So I I would appreciate if you did that on the show. I think that would be fun. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, uh, thank you for joining us. That was a fun segment. And, uh... Again, for uh, the people listening at home, keeping score, that was number 18, the mysterious Joshua M. Thanks, Josh. All right, then. That was our uh, last interviewee. We uh, had 10 people scheduled for tonight. Unfortunately, one of them, uh, number 15, uh, could not be here tonight. So uh, we're going to stop right there with uh, nine interviews tonight, and that makes 17 overall. We have a very tough decision ahead of us, Jay. Uh, don't you mean you have a very tough decision ahead of you? I'm just here for the ride. I like to throw you a, p- a pittance every now and then. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yes. Can I, so, uh, I'm, hold on. We have a very tough decision. We're going to deliberate about this together for hours. Yeah, so feel free to email your uh, suggestions to my people, and they will present them to me, and then I will decide. Yeah, okay. That's <laughs> that, that sounds fair. Um, so, you know, email through the usual avenues um, that you do because I still have no idea uh, what the email thing looks like for uh, Survivor Historians. But uh, I'm sure it's amazing. And, uh, you know, just let us know what you think of uh, the people here. I mean, obviously, this, this isn't a democracy. It's not like, you know, whatever the people decide uh, definitely goes through. But I, I, I would say that it's heavily influenced, right? I mean, it's just whatever we all liked and whatever we thought listened, uh, it, you know, kind of gelled together, I think, really. Yeah, we want to hear what all the listeners thought. Again, people are writing us on Survivor Sucks. They're sending us emails. They're posting, telling us on Facebook. And again, as Jay pointed out, this is not a uh, cheer tatership. This is a cheerocracy. So we want to hear. Wow, that was amazing. Exactly. Not another teen movie, bitches. Uh, Yes. So we want to hear what everyone says. We have not made up our mind yet by any stretch of the imagination. What we will probably do is. uh, Invite maybe our favorite five or six back for one last podcast, just one last chance to hear them all. Let's just do um, like four or five. I said five or six. How yeah. dare you say four to five? No, yeah, whatever. We haven't decided. We haven't, we haven't even thought about this for one second. So, yeah, we will bring back a couple of our favorites. We don't know who they're going to be yet. We do want to hear from all you guys. Just let us know. Who do you think flowed? Who do you think the conversation was fun to listen to? Who do you hear potential with? There's some people, again, that... Uh, I know from other venues, there's some people I don't know. I mean, there's some people that were, there was their first time in the air, some people who do podcasts all the time. They're all fair game. Just let us know. And again, and if you're posting on message boards, 
try to be diplomatic and nice. Like, don't say, oh, this person was awesome. This person was a piece of shit. Just even if you think that, don't say that because a lot of these people, this was their very first time doing a podcast and they're all going to read the feedback. So try to be at least somewhat diplomatic in your uh, criteria. Yeah. I mean, cut people a break. I mean, it's it's a weird. This has been a weird interview process just because we have had to kind of cold call people and, you know, get people on the air. And, you know, a lot of people aren't used to this. And, you know, you can always raise the fair point that if you're not used to this and you're not going to get used to this, and maybe, you know, this is not something uh, for you because it's a podcast format. But, you know, it's... It, you know, a lot of these people, they're, they're, they've been very brave to kind of come on the air and, and, and talk to us just, uh, you know, sort of out of the blue and without a whole huge game plan and a lot of pre-screening. So, uh, you know, I, I think that everyone did a, did a very good job. Mm-hmm. I agree. And we had a lot of fun. And again, we like to thank everybody who took the time to stop by and talk to us. Yes, absolutely. All right. So for now, we are going to retreat to our chambers and start deliberating. And the next time you hear us, uh, we will be on the air with the four or five people that uh, we have decided that we'd like to talk to a little more. So uh, until then, this is Mario Lanza. And this is Jay Fisher. And you uh, take care of yourselves out there. We love you guys. Goodbye.